Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. Literally, just walked in the door and didn't even get a chance to sit down, and we are ready to go here on a gloomy, dreary, dreadful, yet surprisingly not chilly Saturday morning here in the Baltimore area. Good morning. I'm Paul Valley. He's Zach Goodman. Today's show, today's edition of the Bat Around, is brought to you by your local chick. Are you looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A. Catering from Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese. Enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Big news in the world of sports. I was late today because I forgot that we had a show because the World Cup is kicking off is literally as we speak. I didn't actually forget we had a show, people. I, I would never. Nah, that would never happen. I would never choose soccer over baseball, even the World Cup. But if you are not tuning in, or if you, you know what? Let me rephrase that. If you are tuning in, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us on the bat around during baseball's. Oh, all I thought you were season. talking about the uh, the World Cup. Like, thank you. God bless you for turning in and supporting the USA. No, no, no. I'm saying God bless you for tuning in oh, to the yeah, bat yeah. to the bat around. I agree. When the World Cup is going on and USA has a chance to get to the sta- to the round yeah. of eight. Hey, Paul, can I grab be- my sheet over there? Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't grab that. Thank you. That is all right. That is all right. Now, if you're here. And you're not listening to the world. You're not watching the World Cup. And if you hang on just a moment to, so I can switch my mic cover. Well, we, we obviously, I think there, there's a few people here that are not watching the World Cups. That's a, that's a big positive. People want to hear about baseball because we've got a big event this week. We do. We have a huge event this week. Yeah, I always have to switch my mic cover because Glenn's is either just super old or he likes to gnaw on this thing. But this thing is chewed up. Yeah, he's, it, he, he's eating it during yeah, the show. That's, I, 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 yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what he does that, during the interviews. That's Glenn. Um, but anyway, we are here on the Battle Round. Big news. Last night, round 9.30-ish, 9.30, Jacob deGrom, 34 years old, injured the better part of the last two years, arguably the best pitcher in baseball and one of the best pitchers in the history of the game when he's healthy, yeah. but he hasn't been for two years. Yeah. Signs for five years, $185 million with the Texas Rangers. Now, yeah. for you math whizzes, that's $37 million a year mm-hmm. for a guy who's going to be 35 by midseason and he hasn't pitched the better part of the last two years. Yeah. Look, Jacob deGrom is awesome. If the Orioles signed Jacob deGrom, I'd be thrilled, but I'd be nervous. And Ken Rosenthal wrote, wrote a piece on this for The Athletic yesterday. This is a high-risk, high-reward signing for the Texas Rangers. Now, you look at the Texas Rangers, and they went out last year, and they spent $500 million last offseason on Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. And John Gray. And, and John Gray. And John Gray. Thank you. And then, they went, and then they went and won 68 games and got swept in the season series by your Baltimore Orioles. Um, Orioles. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> um so what do they do this offseason? They hire Bruce Bochy, three-time World Series winning manager, to uh, lead the team. And then they go and they sign arguably the best pitcher on the open market in Jacob deGrom. And they're probably not done. They're probably going to add another piece or two here. Yeah. Oh, and they traded for Joke, oh, Joke, Joke Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi, basically as soon as it was allowed. 
Not that it wasn't a lot. They could have made a trade during the World Series, but they, they traded basically the day after the World Series ended, basically. They went and traded for Jake, Jake Odorizzi. So now they've got John Gray, they've got Jacob DeGrom, and they've got Jake Odorizzi in their rotation. They're probably going to be in on another starting pitcher or two. Um, maybe try to bring back Martin Perez. We'll, we'll see how that works out for them. But the Rangers are kind of up and coming, Zach. Or is this a team that you're kind of looking at as now they're in it? The AL West is getting stronger by the day. It's tough because you've got the two great teams up there. You've got the Mariners, who are certainly on the up and coming, and I think still are. They made the playoffs this year. They didn't go far, but they're going to keep building. The Mariners are a team that have a great farm system. They're just going to keep building on what they already have. And you see the Astros. We talk about them a lot on the show because year in, year out, they're the ones that show up and, and just play a fantastic and clean season and a season that you don't ever hear a lot about in the media but they always go out there and win like 90 to 100 games because they're the Astros and they've got really Mm -hmm. good talented players across the board so those two teams I still think are for the most part going to dominate that division for now but Texas certainly they're doing something right I think I criticized them last year because I said you've spent 500 million dollars on three players imagine what you could have done if you had spread that money around to I don't know seven guys and and given a little more more uh, dispersion in those contracts rather than throw it all at three guys. And I was a little critical because I didn't think they had the depth last year, and clearly they didn't. They won 68 mm-hmm. games. Maybe this year uh, they, with DeGrom and, and Odorizzi, and now you get some more depth hopefully on that bench and that bullpen, whatever, they're going to be a little bit of a better team, but I still don't think they're there quite yet. Well, when they met the Orioles in June last year, um, they were they had a better record than the Orioles. And they were right mm. in the thick of the wild card race. They were they were a 500 ball club. Yeah, Orioles sweep them, and then they went into a tailspin. Only uh, and like you said, only won 68 games. I have a little bit more confidence in them. I think they need. Okay. To, I need. I think they need a little bit of bullpen help. They could u- yeah. probably use another bat in that lineup. Um, but look, the, the manager is the right guy. The starting rotation right now, assuming health, looks pretty nasty. They've got a great infield. It, this is a team that's that's on the up and up, right? Um, the Angels have gotten better this off season. They they went and signed Tyler Anderson. They got Hunter Renfro. Yeah, uh, I believe they they didn't they acquire uh, Glaber Torres. I don't believe so. I, I could have sworn a day. Glaber- no, no, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Gio Urshela. Yes, Gio Urshela. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. That, that, that's that's who I was thinking. Of. They got the former Yankee. Um, they got Gio Urshela. That aside from the Athletics. That division is no cakewalk. There's no, no. Th- there, that division is no cakewalk, and not to mention the fact that now you're only playing 14 games right. against your division opponent, uh, against each division opponent rather than 19. So you have an opportunity to go out there and maybe take advantage of some of the weaker teams in the other divisions and try and boost your uh, your record there. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see what happens in the AL West there. It's going to be fun to see what happens with the Orioles in the next coming days. The winter meetings begin tomorrow. Our own Zach Goodman is uh, on a flight today. What, 2.30? I've got a 2.25. 2.25 flight yeah. to San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. Germans <laughs> maintain that its, its definition was lost years ago. It stands for a whale's... Well, you know the rest. You know the rest. I've never heard this before. I have no idea You've where going You've never seen Anchorman. I, oh, I've seen Anchorman, but I don't remember that line. <laughs> lost in translation years ago. Germans maintain it stands for a whale's vagina. I don't remember that. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to watch that. I urge you to look we'll up. We'll have to quote. rewatch. He, I've, I've seen one and two. I actually watched them both on a plane ride. Um, to San Diego for the not, not meetings. Not to San Diego, but I was on a plane when I watched Final both those Final Destination. Movies. I think like when I'm on a plane and watching movies, I only pay attention about halfway. So I don't know. Is that could that be like Final Destination fifteen or whatever it is? Haven't where, seen that. Where you're oh they have so many Final Destination movies. It's where like the the main character has like a, a 
like they live like they go they die everybody around them dies it's this horrific thing yeah and then they come they wake up they come to <laughs> and then everything that happened when everybody died it starts to happen and so they're like oh my god we gotta get off this plane or, or you know what i mean it, no <laughs> i cannot believe you've never seen this the first I one is starring devin sawa he gets on a plane never and heard him. he envisions that the plane like literally he lives through this this plane like explodes in midair and then he wakes up and he's like, oh God. And he's on the plane and everything that was happening in the dream starts to happen. He starts freaking out. They, they you yank him off the plane. Then you see the plane explode in midair. That's crazy. It right? sounds like the but Twilight then, Zone. But then everybody that got off the that was forced off the plane with him, they all die. They all die because they were supposed wow. to die on that plane. They all die in different weird, weird ways. Like one guy dies because... Well, I guess there's no reason for me to watch it now. The, the, there's like, <laughs> dude, there's like nine of them. Well, I mean... There's like nine of them. I have a five-hour like, flight, so hey. It's like the Fast and the Furious, oh. but you're all going to die style, mm. right? And I, I'm, what if like the next one is uh, Final Destination and nobody dies. It's just you get on a plane and you see that like... Adam Sandler in Jack and Jill is playing, and there's no way to get out of it. And you wake up, and the movie the cr- movie credits start. And yeah. You're like, I gotta get off this plane. I just think that would be hilarious. Why that has that not be. been an SNL skit? I don't know. Anyway, what what is happening? Maybe you here? should be What's, writing at SNL. I, I dude, I I have ideas, man. I think you should be. I have ideas. Yeah. The, not just a hat rack, my friend. <laughs> not just a hat rack. So you're going to the winter meetings. I I've been to, to the winter meetings. I went in 2016. I went yep. when it was at the um, uh, National Harbor at the Gaylord um, Hotel and. I guess it maybe it's a casino now, but it was just a hotel back then. Um, worst experience of my life. It was by far and away the worst experience of my life because it, you're looking at a guy who was 31 at the time, and I didn't know that my resume sucked. It's not that I hadn't done anything in sports; it's that my mom had helped me craft my resume. My mom has been a medical had been a medical professional her entire adult mm-hmm. life, and so she made it a medical resume for me. A resume. Okay. So. I applied for like 45 jobs and I got an interview for exactly zero. And I went every, and this is when the winter meetings were five days. And I went every day, yeah. drove two, drove an hour and a half down, usually sat in traffic for three hours on the way home. It was a day like this, but colder every day. It was miserable. It rained. I ran into Billy Ripken in the lobby there and we talked for a little bit because he used to be my neighbor. That was cool. I, yep. I, I, I saw some of the cool um, TV personalities. Lauren Shahadi is just as beautiful in person as she is on TV. Um, I saw uh, Vince Russo sitting on a window ledge um, going over his notes and talking to himself. It was. It was is that, is that uh, the Mad Dog guy? The Mad Dog. Okay. Is that his yeah. name? Vince Russo? No, Vince Russo isn't his name. Something Russo. Chris, Christopher Russo. Christopher Russo. That's I, it. I used to I that's used it. to work with a girl who's who was married at the time to a guy whose name was Vince Russo. Okay, that's what it was. But anyway, um, so that was cool. But going to the winter meetings, sitting through um, the job fair. The job mm-hmm. fair is really great if you have the right resume. Like, I probably will not be at that. But yeah, but, we'll and, and it costs like three hundred bucks. Yeah. It, it's expensive. My parents paid for it. And I feel so bad for them that they 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 wouldn't take it back. They they do it again. Um, but I didn't get much out of it because all I did was sit there and feel bad for myself because everybody's getting interviews and I'm just sitting there for five days with... Yeah. I should have just gotten a hotel room, right? I should have just stayed That's what there. I was going to say. What are, you, what are you doing? I should have <laughs> just... Well, I mean, it was only an hour and a half drive. Yeah, and I got I, you. And I, got I couldn't you. afford it. And they want to make my pay. It, it, you talk a hotel room down at the winter meetings expensive it would it would have cost a couple grand yeah right at the gaylord uh it would it would it would have cost a couple grand. well it did not it, it didn't cost me a couple grand but uh it's different situation different place so yeah a lot more options in san diego to stay but yeah but, i'm looking forward to it it's gonna yeah, be a great so event what, what are you um 
What's on tap for you this week? I heard you. I heard for, a little birdie told me you have a pretty significant interview. Yeah, I have. I. It's not more of an interview. A, it's a more sit of down. an informational interview. Just getting to know some people, doing the networking. Um, uh, so I'm meeting with some people from the Orioles, some people from the Rangers, uh, some people from the Guardians, some people from really, uh, I think about ten different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm going to talk to a lot of people, do some one on ones. Uh, you know, kind of give my elevator pitch and, and see where it goes from there. Just trying to make some connections. And one of the biggest things for me is just try to learn as much as possible. Um, you know pick these people's brains and, and get to know how they got there and why they got there and that's that's kind of my goal zach's gonna come back from this next week and tell me paul i can't do the show anymore i got a job <laughs> at the orioles nah, and i'm not allowed i don't to think do so this. i don't think so um and if that happened god bless you man i i, I honestly i hope that does happen you know it, it would suck to try and find a replacement, but if you got a job with the Orioles, man, I, I, w- I would be so thrilled. I'd be so pumped for you, man. No, I'd- you know what? I'm not job hunting down there, really. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I mean, I, I know you're not. But- I, I already do have a job at the moment, and that's the one I'm going to stick through for the next year or so. And then mm-hmm. once I can, you know, get a full time job, that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking for. So. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, man, you're an, you're an impressive kid. I like you. Thank so, you. So, I appreciate uh, that. So somebody, uh, somebody's going to be like, this guy looks like he can play a nice, a, a nice game of tennis. A nice match, <laughs> a nice match wow. at tennis. I don't know where you're coming to. You know what? I don't know about that one. I really don't. <laughs> Um, no, but uh, it, it, you're gonna have fun because you yeah. have the right kind of resume. You're already in the in the industry. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be, and it's freaking San Diego, yeah. man. Are you going with any friends or just, just you? No, it's my dad and my brother actually going with. Oh, me. that's dude. You're gonna have so much. Are you it's gonna, gonna be play, a lot of fun. You gonna play some golf out there? I don't think so, but maybe if we catch a day. I'm not. I'm not sure yet. We're not bringing the clubs. That's an you expensive always, thing you, to do you on can the, always, uh, the airlines. You can always rent clubs. Yeah, but exactly. You're, you're yeah. gonna have a blast, man. It I, will it, be. It's gonna be so much fun for you. Uh, I want you to do something for me. Okay. Okay. Tell everybody my name. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I want you to do this for me. I want you to try and pick out, because we want to do a segment on this next Saturday. Okay. The five best parts of the winter meetings for you. Okay. And the five worst parts. Yeah, sounds great. Of the winter meetings for you. And I want, I want to do that segment. Maybe okay. uh, maybe the kick. No, hopefully the Orioles will have made some signings by this show next week. But we'll find a segment in there. Maybe instead of Orioles banter, we'll do that. Or during Orioles banter. And I want to know your five top moments and your five, like, this just blew uh, moments of the winter <laughs> meetings because you hear from a lot of these these beat reporters that they hate it. Like yeah. Rockabaco hates the winter meetings. I heard uh, someone said my liver's going to thank me that I'm not going this year. One of the beat writers said uh, that. I thought I, that was pretty funny. It, it's you basically just scour the lobby for for people to talk yeah. to. You write your stories, and then at night when nothing's going on, it's like, all right, let's go get to, let's go get <laughs> hammered, right? <laughs> right. Um, right. Yeah. No, you're going to have a blast. I'm excited for you, man. It's it's going to be uh, going to be a lot of fun for you. Another another domino, uh, <laughs> seamless transition. Another big <laughs> domino that fell uh, the other day, and this one is the one that hurts me. Is Jose Abreu yeah. signed with the Houston Astros? Three years, fifty-eight point five million dollars. He's going to be thirty-six years old on uh, January 29th. So he, there's thirty-six, thirty-seven, thirty-eight seasons. Um, thirty-eight-year-old seasons are what he's going to be signed for with the Astros, and they're paying him just a tad under um, uh, twenty million dollars a year. The he still hits for average, still gets on base, still produces runs. He hit 15 home runs, 16 home runs last year. 15. It was 15. They said he would have hit 22 if he played all of his games in Houston. Well, that's great, but you don't play all your games in Houston. Yeah. You play 81 of them in Houston. Apparently, nobody thought he was worth this, but so many teams were in on him that the that the price just kept getting jacked up. I think that shows you how weak the hitter market is. Yeah, I, I, I think it does too, because if you're not in on the shortstop, you're not in on Aaron Judge... What's your next option? And it was Jose Abreu for the Houston Astros. Boston, apparently he was their number one target this offseason. Really? I'm going to go crying on my pillow 
for the Boston Red Sox that they missed out on what a shame. on Jose Abreu. And if they lose Xander Bogarts, that's going to be a really bad start to the offseason for them. Um, but yeah, Abreu, th- three years, $58.5 million. If, the Ori- if Abreu's team had come to the Orioles and said, hey, we think you're an up-and-coming team, we like what you're doing here, we want to be part of this, three years, $58.5 million. If you're Mike Elias, are you signing that deal? Yeah, I think I would. You think so? Given how weak the hitter market is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen point five million a year for a thirty-six year old. Yeah, but that's a guy you can slot right in the middle of your lineup, you and he makes a big difference. I think, especially in Baltimore, I don't know why I didn't see this fit. We might have mentioned the Astros. I'm not sure, but that really now that I hear that he's an Astro, and now that I know he's an Astro, it, it makes so well, much sense. I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but. Uh, it was always in the back of my mind yeah. because we knew that. I think we did talk about. It. I think somebody that we had on the show mentioned that Abreu was a good fit for them because they needed the first baseman. They were part. Yeah. They're part ways with Lord with um uh, Yuli Gurriel. Uh, they're probably there's no way they're bringing Trey Mancini back to be the no. in the middle of that order. It, Abreu makes a lot of sense for them and a good team yeah. that's stronger. I mean, my take is guys are getting more expensive. We look at a guy we're about to talk about in a second with Zach Eflin, how much he made. I know it's a completely different position, but guys are getting more expensive. The market is mm-hmm. getting just more difficult to get cheap players at. I mean, especially a guy like Abreu who's won an MVP. He, you know, he's a cl- good clubhouse guy. He makes a difference, you know, on and off the field. That's a guy who I think is all definitely worth $58 million. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I really do. Even at 36 years old, I mean, there are some guys. Look at Alex Rodriguez. When he was off the PEDs, he was still hitting like 260, 270 and putting up 20 home runs a year, even at the end of his career at 39 Nel- years old. Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is a Nelson, great example. N- Nelson Cruz is a better Another example. Another guy off the PEDs. Because you'll never convince me that Alex Rodriguez wasn't still doing something. At okay, that, fair at, enough. At, so at so we'll point. go with Nelson Cruz. But there are these guys, especially these DH types, first base DH types, who can last forever because they just have the bat-to-ball skills. They have the present power available for them to keep being, being able to uh, hit David into the Ortiz, 40s. At 30, Ortiz at 38, sure. 39 years old is final season and one of the best years of his entire yeah, like career. Yeah, 340. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it, was, it was insane. So you'll never convince me that he wasn't using something also because he was, at 33, he was hitting 235. I believe and, he tested positive once, didn't he? Yeah, and there's been this whole back and forth about it, but um, at, at age 33, he was hitting, he hit 235 and then at age 38, he hits 340 with what was it? I think he had 38 home runs and drove in like yeah, 120. It, it, it wasn't 340. It was 315. I thought it was 340. But mm. 401 on base percentage, 620 slugging. That makes up an 1,021 OPS with 40, uh, with 38 home runs and 48 doubles. Mm-hmm. At, a, at 38 years old. And 127 runs batted in. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. At, at 38 years old, yeah. when five years prior, it looked like his career was done. It, okay, wasn't doing, wasn't doing anything. I digress. That's not what this show is 40 years about. old, though. Uh, Zach Eflin. You just mentioned him. He signed with the, signed with the race. Three years, $40 million. Amazingly, this is the largest free agent contract ever handed out by the Tampa Bay Rays. That blows three years, $40 yeah. million. Yeah. You're talking $13.33 million a year, and that's the largest contract that has ever been given out to a free agent by the race. Does that include re-signings? Or is it just free agents that they weren't? That I mean, they didn't I, 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 have? I guess it would have to. Okay. I guess I mean you're not talking about extensions because the Orioles are guys are in a similar similar camp with Alex Cobb being their most expensive one outside of or not Alex Cobb who was it? It was Albert Bell. That's Albert well, Bell. No, no, no. It, well, I mean, they got Miguel Tejada at what was it? Six years, eighty-two million, something like was that. Was it ta- okay? They so got fair they enough. got Albert Bell at six years, eighty-five. million. But they had no one over hundred million except for the Chris Davis deal, right. which was a which, re- which was a resign. Which, it's a resign, but he was technically he was a free agent, and yeah. it didn't happen till late in till like late January. So, yeah, 
449 ERA in seven seasons. He's got really bad knees. Mm-hmm. Um, had a 404 ERA last year. Look, if the people were saying already, if the Rays are signing a pitcher, then they know something that other teams don't. Um, is he gonna? Is he gonna be a long? Is he gonna be like that Ryan Yarbrough type of thing? Are they gonna trust him to be an everyday start, like like a, an every fifth day rotation guy for them? I don't know. Um, I'm. Do you lament that the Orioles didn't try for a guy like Zach Eflin? No. The, knowing the knee, the knee injury history, I, I'm okay with it. Zach Eflin is a slightly above average pitcher in my eyes. Slightly mm-hmm. above average. He doesn't really move the needle, needle that much for me. I kind of look at him the same way I look at Jordan Lyles. He might be a little bit better than Jordan Lyles is, but he's not a guy who I think makes a huge difference. You know, I was talking to Stan this week about Ryan Yarbrough, and the fact that he's still on the market is actually a big surprise to me. I thought there would have been a lot of teams going after him. He's mm-hmm. a really valuable piece who won 16 games this rookie year. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, he, he was kind of ineffective at, at different points he was. last year, although I think he did shut the Orioles down a couple but of times. But he's an interesting piece. You can start him, you can relieve him. He, he's kind of one of those guys who's in the middle, and I like that. L- yeah, like like in Austin Both. Yeah, sure. Guy. Yep. Maybe a little bit better. Maybe. Oh, yeah, I, would, I definitely think he's better. Maybe a little bit better. Um, yeah, I, I, and Stan actually mentioned, I sent Stan a copy of my notes last night, he emailed me back, and he mentioned um, Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting piece. And, it's, and we're going to talk about him a little bit with Stan. Um, coming up here in a little bit. We also have Nathan Ruiz joining the show at 11.05 mm-hmm. from the Baltimore Sun. He's Maybe you'll meet run into him down at the... Uh, oh, very possible. At, at the winter meetings. You, sh- you should coordinate get, grabbing a beer with the guy. Yeah, sure. Um, why not? I got uh, plenty he, of time. He's, he's going to be on the phone. So, you know... Um, there you go. But yeah, so we're going to talk with Stan about Ryan Yarborough and, and, and more. Uh, Mike Clevenger also signed a one-year deal with the Chicago White Sox. I feel like... So- I thought it was Stan, but Stan said he, it wasn't him that wanted... Mike Clevenger. Somebody said that they want that was on the show said that Mike Clevenger would be a good fit for the Orioles, and I can't remember. Who was it Rich it was. Dubrov? It could have been Rich. I feel like it was either maybe it was Paul Moncano. Could have been yeah, it could have been Moncano too. Um, uh, we've had a lot of people on. Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we, have, we have a guest every week. <laughs> we do a couple guests every week. So, um, but yeah, uh, Clevenger. That's kind of a make good deal, right? That, that that's a guy who's coming back from the injury. He pitched a little bit this past year. He, he was. Uh, he, did he pitch the whole season? This past? I know he was no, coming, he was coming I, off I, I don't Tommy so. John surgery, right? I, I think he probably debuted in around May or June. I don't believe he pitched the whole season, but I okay. could be wrong. Um, but yeah, that, that's a guy who was really good at a point. Um, yeah, yeah he, uh, 311, 302, 271, 302 ERA, four seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he got hurt in 20... He didn't pitch at all in 2021. He made right. 22 starts and appeared in 23 games for the Padres this year. Okay. Went 7-7 seven and seven with a 4-3-3 ERA. This is a guy who's... I was coming off the Tommy John surgery. He's trying to come back, and this is a, this is a make good deal for him. Yeah. Where he and maybe um, well, no, the White Sox expect to contend. You know what? I, I like this a lot more than Eflin. I'll say yeah. that. I, I think it's a higher ceiling deal, but you also have to worry about both of those guys with the injury risk. You talk about the knees with Eflin, and then this guy, he's coming off of Tommy John, and yeah, he made 22 starts, but you never know. These elbows, they're so, I don't know if volatile is the right word for it, but things can go bad very quickly with elbows again. So once you've had Tommy John once, I always worry about a guy, but the second time, well, I mean, you know, some guys know, have it three times. Jamison Tyon had, had it twice. Yeah, it took it, him a while to, to get back. Exactly. Now, now he's a pitcher that the Orioles could be exactly. targeting, that people want the Orioles to target. Um, there was that relief for Tampa Bay that had three yeah. Tommy John yeah. surgeries. Um, you look at, um, what's his name? Uh, D- David David Robertson? Yeah, D- D- David Robertson. D- yep. David Robertson. He had Tommy John surgery, had a bad rehab from yeah. that. People thought his career was cooked, you know, and then he went out and pitched in the Olympics and then came yeah. back last year and was really effective for the Cubs in Philly. So a lot of times these things, um, 
kind of go sideways. Yeah. But they tend to work themselves out. A lot of these guys come back eventually, and, and they're pretty good. We're hoping that... And with the Orioles... In the Orioles' case with John Means, um, I kind of trust the... Uh, uh, I trust the Orioles' medical staff to have this be a one-and-done situation with, yeah. with John Means. And you look at how intensive their physicals are mm-hmm. and how difficult it is to pass the Orioles' physical... Um, I look at that and I say, I think that, that John Means is a guy who's probably going to come back and not have an issue again. But we'll see. That's probably not going to be till June. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, somebody that I do, somebody I do want to ask you a little bit about, and we'll talk about him later, Zach Britton. Mm-hmm. Full off season. He got into a few games late in the year with, with, the, um, with the Yankees. Yeah. He's a free agent. He claims he's healthy, 35 years old. If you're the Orioles, would you bring him in to be a veteran presence in that bullpen, be kind of a a, a late inning reliever and kind of lead, kind of not to be your closer, maybe maybe not even to be your setup guy, but to be a guy who can show those guys the ropes and how to do it? Would you bring him back into the fold, and would he want to come back into the fold? I don't see him wanting to come back, and one of the reasons I say that is because I remember when he left Baltimore, he went to the New York uh, media somewhere along the lines and said that he didn't love the way he was treated in Baltimore compared to the way the Yankees treated it. That's not what he said. Well, I'm paraphrasing. What he said basically was that the analytics department in the, in New York was far and away better than it was in in Baltimore, and that they were more of a, they, they were more family friendly. In yes, the clubhouse. that's what I'm referencing. They were, they were, they were yeah. more family friendly in the clubhouse. However. Yeah. Different regime. Yeah, different regime, absolutely. So that could make a huge difference. I, mm-hmm. I think given the fact that he's a lefty, I'm sure Baltimore will poke around. I'm sure the Orioles will at least make, maybe not make an offer, but make effort to get in contact with the agent and let them know they're at least interested. Because a guy like that, I mean, he in 2020, he put up a 1890 ERA. That's a guy who's pretty valuable. In 2021, he struggled. This year, obviously, he it's hard to take anything to, really for, for what it's worth because he, he only pitched in three games. But he's a guy I could absolutely see them at least reaching out to. And given the fact that he is such, I wouldn't say he's an icon of Baltimore, but he's got a lot of popularity here, and I think a lot of fans would really be happy to see him make you know one last season in Baltimore. Um, he is arguably the greatest reliever in history of the franchise. I could agree with that. You, yeah. you, he and Darren O'Day yeah. might, uh, are arguably two of the top relievers in the history of the franchise, yeah. and Zach Britton's 2016 historically was the greatest season by a relief pitcher of all time. It was. I, I, I mean... 40, what was he, 47 for 47 in saves. He had a .54 ERA. Yep. He gave up four runs all year. No blown saves. Uh, best season in the history of relief pitching, and he did it in an Orioles uniform. Some Orioles news to talk about before we get Stan the Fan on the line. Um, they claimed infielder Lewin Diaz off waivers from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, this is a guy who's got power. Um not a great. I think he's got like a 143 batting average and like 340 plus plate appearances all time at the, at the big league level. Um, so they claimed him. He's going to have an opportunity to, at the very least, get, have an everyday role in AAA. And if he mm-hmm. has a good spring, maybe he finds his way onto the Orioles roster. I'm sure he'll make a he'll make a debut for the Orioles at some point this season. They also uh, picked up Franchi Cordero. They signed him to a minor league deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be at spring training. They, it didn't say with an invitation to spring training, but you know he's going to be there. Yeah. Huge power bat. I think I saw that he has 17 batted balls at 115 plus miles an hour since like 2016. And the Orioles, the entire Orioles team has like 10. So um, that's that's. It might be like an under the radar signing. Again, it's a depth piece. A guy who's probably going to spend most of the year playing at AAA, but he'll get a cup of coffee at uh, at on the, with the big league club at some point this year. Um, 
Big time power, not much else. Not, yeah. um, they lost Jake Cave. He was claimed uh, off ra- waivers by the Philadelphia Phillies, so the Jake Cave era uh, ends <laughs> after about five weeks. And Daz Cameron, uh, Mike Cameron's son, who the Orioles also claimed, he's cleared out right waivers, and he's been assigned to Triple A Norfolk. So Norfolk. So a little bit of a tidying up there for the Orioles as they approach the winter meetings. And then last but certainly not least, before we get to Stan, uh, the, the baseball lost another Hall of Famer on Thursday. Gaylord Perry um, died at the age of 84. Uh, Hall of Famer inducted in 1991. He had 314 career wins with a 311 ERA, 3,534 strikeouts in his 22-season big league career. Um, and I want to ask Stan about his legacy because widely known for doctoring baseballs and for the spitball. He even wrote a book about it. Um, and yet he's in the Hall of Fame. I look at him the same way I look at Fred Bolitnikoff. Uh, Fred Bolitnikoff was is a Hall of Fame receiver mm-hmm. who was known for using stickum. So it's you have to question the legitimacy of their Hall of Fame candidacy when they are known for doing things that at the time stickum was legal in football. It's not legal anymore, but he's a Hall of Fame receiver who was using stickum to catch footballs. Hall of Fame pitcher who is doctoring baseballs and spitting on baseballs to get more movement and more drop on his pitches. You're not. Tr- I'm not trying to hate on the, on on the dead. Um, I just have always questioned his um, legitimacy for being in the Hall of Fame. And but that doesn't mean that I I don't I didn't know the guy. That doesn't mean I think that he that any of this was deserved. We're remembering a guy who was you know, was a questionable figure in baseball. Um, for what he did on the mound, but Hall of Famer nonetheless. So we lost Gaylord Perry the other day. Uh, so thoughts and prayers out to his family as they go through what people generally go through with this kind of stuff. Zach is going to get Stan the fan on the line here. Um, we do have a nice show coming up for you. We're going to have Stan in a couple of minutes. Again, as I said, Nathan Ruiz at 11.05 from the Baltimore Sun. Then we've got some Orioles banter, and it's what are we realistically comfortable with. There was a uh, trade offer proposed by The Score on Twitter or on their website um, where they were offering D.L. Hall, Jordan Westbrook, Colton Kowser, and Kyle Bradish for Corbin Burns and Adrian Hauser. Um, I think that's too much to give up. We're going to discuss that deal, that, that scenario. We're going to discuss realistic offers for... Um, Pablo Lopez and Lazardo from the Marlins. Could the Orioles trade for a bat? We'll get into all of that and more in Orioles banter. But right now on the line, we've got um, Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Stan, good morning. It's Paul. How are you today? Good morning, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. I hope you're staying dry on an otherwise miserable Saturday. Are you catching any of the World Cup? I uh, just turned it on in time, like literally turned it on at 10.07. I'd forgotten between 9.50 and 10, I forgot, and I turned it on 10.07 just in time to see the uh, Netherlands score a goal. They uh, lead one nothing, 30 minutes in, so yeah, quite I, a ways to go left. Yeah, I think this is one of those World Cups where they said that, that whatever USA does in this World Cup, it's all just building towards 2026 when they expect to be a really good team. So we'll see how the rest of this game plays out. But we're here to talk about baseball, Stan. And we were just talking about Gaylord Perry. He passed on Thursday. And Stan, since you handed over the reins of the show to me, I feel like we've lost like nine or ten Hall of Famers. So I don't know if that's my fault or 
Um, no, I, I, I kid. But Gaylord Perry um, passed at the age of 84 on Thursday. 314 career wins, a 311 ERA, over 3,500 strikeouts. He was the first pitcher to win the Cy Young in both the American League and the National League. Won one at 40 years old in 1978. Um but, Stan, there's a little bit of controversy surrounding Gaylord Perry because he was known to doctor baseballs and was known for the spitball. He even wrote a, wrote a book about it. So when we look back on his life, what is Gaylord Perry's legacy? Yeah, well, it was a much different time. There were a lot of, a lot of pitchers that uh, were using foreign substances back then. It was part of the lure of baseball, mm-hmm. you know, uh, up, to, up until things got, uh, you know, uh, sort of much cleaner. Uh, and there's been much, much less cheating in baseball. There's no question Gaylord uh, rubbed up a few baseballs. Uh, it's funny. I was just reading, <clears throat> I was just reading a piece on uh, Gaylord Perry on uh, Rich Dubroff's site, uh, BaltimoreBaseball.com. The editor of that site, Jack Gibbons, wrote a piece about how he covered Gaylord Perry back uh, many, many years ago, like in the 70s, when he was with Cleveland, and he was in the locker room with him and saw what his secret ingredient was. It was brill, brill cream right behind his ear. So uh, interesting to, hey. see, to see that article this morning. Yeah, that... um. That Gaylord Perry always kind of reminded me, knowing the the history of what he did with baseball, so he always reminded me of that older pitcher. I think his name was Harris in Major League. You remember the one he had uh, all the stuff like that? Do you, do you know who I'm talking about? The um, up your butt joke who takes the shot of the rum and then gets hit in the head with the bat. Vague, vaguely, vaguely, vaguely. But my my favorite baseball movie was something that was made in like 1952 or might have even been made in 1948. It was called It Happens Every Spring. It starred Ray Milland as a scientist who invented something. He was a big St. Louis Cardinals fan, and he invented something that that moved away from wood. So, you know, like, so in other words, he rubbed it on the baseball, and it would immediately, if a bat came near it, it ducked. It ducked down. It was really a clever, clever movie. And he ended up pitching for the Cardinals, and uh, it, it's very funny. Very what, funny. What was the movie called again? I've never. It happens every. It happens every spring. It happens every spring. I'm. I'm I, gonna ha- I love baseball movies, it, Stan. I'm it, gonna have to check that out. It, ha- it. It. It happens every spring. It's a great, uh, great piece. It happens every spring. His catcher. Be. His catcher is a great character actor named Paul Douglas. Uh, both Milan and. Then Paul Douglas passed away a long time ago, but a very clever movie and has just a great baseball feel to it. Um, so I, I saw Gaylord Perry pitch. Um, my mom knew I was an incredible Willie Mays fan, and we went to the 1964 World's Fair in uh, New York, in Queens. Mm-hmm. And just across, just across the street was Jay Stadium. And my mom took me to see Willie Mays, who I was a gigantic fan of. And uh, the starting pitcher that night, it was uh, in July or August of 1964. I've looked up the the box score to the game because it had another. So Gaylord Perry was a starting pitcher, and it was an extra inning game that went about 13 or 14 innings. And I made my mother stay the whole time. Uh, it was crazy. But uh, was the first Japanese 
pitcher uh, pitched in that game. It was not his first game. His name was Masanori Murakami. But I've known of Gaylord Perry since the early 60s, you know. And yeah. He was a, a legend. He was a legend. He was wily, um, you know, and there's there's no question he doctored a few baseballs. Yeah, but like you said, it was it was something that a lot of pitchers were doing back in the day. They all didn't have the ability to throw 100 miles an hour like all these pitchers do now. So, yeah, um, Jim Jim Bunning Jim Bunning was nicknamed Buckles Bunning. Uh, you know, Jim Bunning um, is in the Hall of Fame, and uh, he was known to have doctored baseballs with his belt buckle. Wow. He would scuff them. He would scuff them up, and uh, there was a famous night. I forget who was managing the Orioles at the time. It might have been like Billy Hitchcock, but Lumen Harris, one of them, they collected about six or eight baseballs. and uh, That's where he got the nickname Buckles Bunny. Yeah, right. If you, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? That's right. That's so, right. So, Stan, the um, winter meetings, they start tomorrow. Our own Zach Goodman is heading to the winter meetings after the show today. He'll be there all week. Um Yep. A couple big free Lucky agents. Zach. I know. Lucky it, Zach. Heading to San Diego while we deal with the rain and the yep. cold temperatures. Here. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but a couple of big free agent dominoes have fallen um, ahead of the winter meetings. Jose Abreu gets three years, $58.5 million from the Houston Astros. He'll turn 36 on January 29th. Jacob DeGrom gets five years, $185 million from the Texas Rangers. He'll turn 35 on June 19th. And you look at these players, Stan, and Abreu, the power numbers were down, but the average the, the on-base percentage, the RBIs were still there last year for him. Uh, DeGrom has been injured the better part of the last two seasons. Um, would you have been willing to give this kind of money to these two players? Well, I, I wouldn't have. I, look, the Texas Rangers must mint money. I mean, you know, they, they, they have now spent in the past, you know, 12 months, they have spent, or maybe 14 months, no, no, maybe 10 months, they have spent, what, like a billion, uh, like uh, $1.2 billion or a something like that? A lot of money, a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of money. So they're, they're, they're playing with some, some kind of money I don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. Of course, I would love to have Jacob DeGrom on my team. But, you know, when you look at our team, um, there's no question he would help our team. But to me, at 35 years of age, um, that's quite a risk, five years, you know, yeah. $185 million. Especially when uh, so he's been hurt so he, much. Yeah. he. Um, uh, you know, look, I think he'll probably have one or two really terrific years there, but I think he will battle some injury problems. He's never been quite up against that kind of heat before. Uh, you know, the heat, and well, they play indoors now. It's right there. Their new yeah. stadium has a retractable roof, so that's not a factor. He, he's a terrific pitcher. Um, the fact that they signed Bruce Bochy to manage that team, you knew they weren't going to sort of pussyfoot around it. Uh, they're going to go for it. Um, they've got a lot of holes on that team, but uh, they got a lot better. There's no question about it. For, for the Orioles, I don't think he was, you know, I don't didn't think there was a chance in how we were shopping in that neighborhood. Uh, Abreu was certainly somebody I had interest in, but I don't know that I would have given him three years. Um, although we might sit here three years from now and say, boy, that was exactly like the uh, 
the contract problem the Orioles had with Nelson Cruz where they didn't want to go to four years. They offered him three, and he hung around about seven years, right. you know. So Stan, does I, it... he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have been for me at that, at that price point and number of years. Stan, does the, the, the Grom deal actually show you how teams now are viewing injuries? And maybe they've changed it a little bit, give, you know, willing to give a guy that much money after he's really been injured for two straight years and he hasn't really been able to stay healthy. Does that show you how teams might handle the Carlos Rodon situation since he's had sort of a checkered in, in injury history himself? Um, the thing is, you're signing Rodon right now, and I know you're going to have to pay huge money for him. And I wrote that piece this week on pressboxonline.com that, uh, you know, when, uh, when Mike Elias, I'm answering your question, Zach, but I'm just getting there. Uh, when Mike Elias said he wasn't going to go to zero to 60, I wrote a piece this week about three lanes, uh, and the Orioles weren't going to shop in the zero to 60 lane, which was the Grom Verlander and, uh, uh, Rodon. So, so I didn't think he was in the Orioles, uh, crosshairs at all uh but he hasn't been hurt for two years now uh so you're you're you've got a little bit more optimism and an ability to think positively about Rodon that's a good point than I do about uh, than I do about DeGrom but DeGrom's a better pitcher than you know DeGrom is arguably one of the the best pitchers that we've seen in our lifetime you know well, yeah, I mean, his numbers are absolutely they're they're like beyond spectacular. He but was, they haven't been beyond spectacular for for five or six straight years. They they kind of crept up real quick, and it's been a three or four year window. But he showed enough last year that you can you can believe that uh, they're going to get a good good value out of him. You mentioned with Rodon that he hasn't been injured for these past two years. Do you think that's the biggest reason his numbers have gone from, you know, roughly a four ERA every year to a two ERA now? I I had him when he came into the big leagues. I had him as my number one ultra pick. When I say number one, it wasn't like he was number one. I had like the 12th pick or something. And I said, boy, this guy looks great. You know, so I got him and he was horrible that first year. And he was he was so I kept him because his price wasn't bad, and he started off horrible again. And then he had the Tommy John injury, and then when he came back from Tommy John, he had some other injuries. U.S. almost scored a goal there. Boy, that was an exciting play. Hmm. Uh, anyway, I, Rodon is definitely somebody who's who's going to be highly thought of because he's not currently injured. You know. Um, Look, it reported this morning MLB trade rumors that the Orioles held a Zoom with Noah Syndergaard yesterday. Yes. Now, yep. you know, we read we read all these reports about not reports. We've read that his velocity is down five five or five and a half miles an hour since he was a uh, you know four with the New York Mets and he threw ninety nine to one hundred miles an hour, mm-hmm. uh, and his sliders down significantly. But they still project him as getting three years, $36 million. That's more the range that, uh, and I accidentally left him off my list of, of the, the, the uh, sort of zero to 35 lane, which I think the Orioles are shopping in. And that's the lane with uh, Tayon, uh, Jameson Tayon, uh, 
Tyon Walk, Tajon Walker, and uh, several other guys. You know, yeah. but uh, the Orioles are they're in the market for pitching. There's no question about it. Uh, whether something comes together this week, not a hundred percent sure it will. But um, they're they're in the market for the, those guys. Several of them. Well, yeah, and you mentioned Cindergard, and yeah, the the the, the fastball isn't what it once was, but he did uh, make. 25, 24 starts and appeared in 25 games this past year between the Angels and the Phillies. Pitched to a 3.94 ERA, went 10 and 10, and he threw 134 and two thirds innings, which would have been second on the Orioles. So he still has that pitch ability. Uh, we talked a little bit about Carlos Rodon. John Heyman reported this morning that the Orioles are, are among many teams that are in on Carlos Rodon. Uh, I don't know that they'd be able to win a bidding war, right? But they, uh, the fact that they're in. Um, is something that's at least nice to hear. Do I expect him to sign here? No, but knowing that they're testing the waters there makes me feel more confident about this off season. Um, Stan, you know the thing about Cinder, the thing about Cindergard that you have to project, and that's what you sort of need to be able to do is is project what he was one year out from the time you know one, his first full season. And project, can he get another two or three miles per hour back? And I think the answer to that is yes. And if you remember his one start in the World Series, he struck out about five or six guys in three and two-thirds innings. His stuff, he gave up a big home run to somebody. I forget who hit it. Um, it, it probably was Alvarez. Uh, but he, his stuff was playing very good that night. And you know he hadn't been starting regularly so you knew it wasn't going to be a, a six and two third inning game it was going to be a three and two third four and a third but he he his stuff played very well that night that he pitched yeah no I, I thought that they when using him in short spurts uh in the postseason he I think he did an admirable job and it throws a little bit harder and a lot of pitchers do that they throw a little bit harder when they know that they're not going to go a ton of innings yeah um it, it would be an interesting signing I don't think it should be the signing for the Orioles but I think it would be a nice supplemental signing as long as they get somebody else like some of the guys that you wrote about in your article for for press box that you mentioned in your zero to 45 and zero to 35 lanes since Michael Elias said they're not going from zero to sixty this off season. Uh, if you paired a Noah Syndergaard with possibly a Chris Bassett or Taiwan Walker or Jamison Tyler, Bassett, Bassett is Bassett is the one guy I'll go on record as saying that I think the Orioles might actually, you know, when, when I say it's not even worth talking about Rodon or Verlander, Bassett is worth talking about because again, keep in mind these teams. We just saw this uh, part of uh, baseball's uh, internet uh, workings, you know, bam. 15% that was still owned by Major League Baseball, they previously sold uh, the rest of it to Disney. But Disney bought the last 15% for $900 million, okay? Mm-hmm. That, that gets disseminated among, among 30 teams. That's $30 million. Right. What did they get? What did they get five years ago when BAM was bought by Disney? You know, so we sit there and we see very poor attendance. We see the pandemic. We see the aftermath of the the uh, Freddie Gray situation here. And you go, oh, my God, how are they going to survive? Well, they're surviving through other revenue streams. Now, I don't think it's, it's enough money in through all those other streams to afford, you know, what they're going to have to pay for Rutschman and all that. 
I think Bassett is sort of the top end of what they might really dabble in. And I think he's going to get, the question is, is Bassett going to get a three-year 60, 63, 64 million dollar deal? Or does he go into that next stratosphere where he's four years at 87 or something like that? I don't think the Orioles will play in that market. If they can get him on a three-year $65 million contract, I think they might go for Chris Bassett. Yeah, I, so I, that, that's the one guy that I don't think is too far gone, and I think he represents what would be fantastic for the Orioles to have a true – he's a number one starter in my book. You know, his numbers over the last four three years. years. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, and durable. The only injury of note was that time he got hit by the line drive in the head. Oh, Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. In August uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And but he's come back since then, and he's pitched well. And his last four years, uh, including the um, the pandemic shortened season, his last four seasons, he's like forty two and twenty or something like that. So he knows how to win, and he'd be pitching with a. a very good defense behind him. So he makes a lot of sense to me. And I'll tell you, I'll throw you another name. Zach and I were talking offline yesterday about this. Suppose, you know, in, in fantasy baseball, you have $160, $360 to buy all your players, a, a magical figure of 360 uh-huh. If you can get a pitcher for a dollar, like a really top pitcher, maybe coming back from an injury, you can then spend... on your second pitcher. You follow me? And then you go, well, the average of the two of them is $23. So suppose the Orioles could sign Ryan Yarborough. Okay, I'm throwing that name out. At $4 million or $4.5 million, either in a one- or two-year $9 million deal, and they got him, now you pay $22 for Bassett. Well, your average between the two of them is like $13 million. That's yeah. suddenly not not that bad. Now, let, let, so, me, let me ask you I, I, yeah. about Ryan Yarborough, right? Because you have a guy like yeah. Austin Both, who is a, a guy who can either start or relieve and be a, be a, be a swing man for you, um, can fill a number of roles. If you sign a Ryan Yarborough, does he immediately go into your rotation? Or is that something where you're still looking at potentially – him moving to being in the bullpen. Are you looking at him as if they were to sign him, he's in the rotation. I look at him. I look at him as, as kind of the John means insurance policy Mm -hmm. that, that he's healthy now, Yarbrough. And I'm still impressed with his stuff. I've seen him too many times come into games when he was like the long man for Tampa and come in in the third inning or the second inning. And then it, seventh inning he's still there and he's given up like one run i saw it happen like four or five times in the last three years uh to me he's probably starts in the rotation and then if john means is truly ready to come back mid-may uh by the way the netherlands is up two nothing now at the half of this game so this is yeah. going to be a real tough one for the u.s to, to get through Sounds uh, like anyway getting Getting back to Ryan Yarbrough, if if Means comes back May 15th, June 1st, you know, first of all, he's not going to be a seven-inning starter nope. right off the bat. He's going to probably be a three- or four-inning guy. Um, Yarbrough can either 
either means can start start in the bullpen a little bit. It's not beneath him to to be a long man in the bullpen on his first year back from Tommy John surgery. It might in fact be the good the good way to use him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but means gives you an insurance policy, and he's left-handed, and he's not exp- he's not expensive. You know, he he allows you to average two pitchers uh, because you know otherwise I think they'll end up with two guys in the 14 or 15 million dollar, you know, or, or Yarborough and a Waka, uh, you know, Michael Waka or somebody like that. And Waka was so very there's good a lot last of year. different ways. He was very good last year. And, uh, uh, you know, he's a guy that is very interesting to me. Yeah. Stan, but there's about five or six of them that are interesting. Yeah. There's a number of ways for the Orioles to get better in the pitching department this off season. That's, that's for sure. We expect those shoes to drop maybe as early as Sunday. Um, so that's why we're all so excited about the winter meetings because Mike Elias said they're going to be extremely active. Now, we've talked a lot about the pitching stand, but there's also the fact that Mike Elias has acknowledged that the Orioles need a middle-of-the-order bat. We talked about Abreu going to um, Houston. He was my number one target for this offseason, my realistic target, and then he got priced out. And I don't even know that the Orioles talked yeah. to him. Um yeah, I don't you're, you're, think so. You're not in on Judge. You're not in on any of the big shortstops. You're likely not in on Brandon Nimmo, who's going to cost probably $20 million a year. You're going to spend that kind of money to me, somebody that has more power. So who would the, who is that middle-of-the-order bat? Is there a free agent that you think that the Orioles have a chance to sign? Are they going to have to trade for somebody? Is there even a trade worth exploring? What are the Orioles going to do about the middle-of-the-order bat that they desperately need because they can't just stand pat? Well... Again, I wrote about three weeks ago, I wrote my speculative piece that the the way I'd like to have accomplished all this was through trades of trying to acquire Lucas Giolito, mm-hmm. Jesus Lazardo, and signing the guy that I think is still out there and will most likely end up back with the Dodgers at, at $10 million. Remember, they declined his $16 million right. option. It was my, it was my opinion that Justin Turner, again, he had a down year last year, but he didn't have a down second half, which mm-hmm. says to me that there's still life left in his bat. This is a guy who's got about a 370 on career on base percentage, and you're talking about a way to improve a 305 team on base percentage. Well, one of the ways you do that is signing guys that have better on base percentages. I think Turner would be this club's uh, um, uh, roof net odor. You know, the 2023-2024 roof net odor. He brings a winning attitude. He can teach some of these young guys a little bit about, you know, about what it's like to win and how to win. And yet, I think he still very could be very valuable. I don't see him playing. I see him playing more first-base DH, but able to play third base. You know, Henderson's going to be your your shortstop. But how about the days where we're facing tough right-handed pitching, and you, and it might be better to have Justin Turner at third and Gunnar Henderson at short and sit Mateo against a Verlander or a Degrom. You know, um, I I think it makes sense. I did not think we were going to get him by sort of waiting and and being coy. I thought that Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias should have been all over like a like a seduction scenario with Justin Turner 
and the club should have offered him like a two-year, $25 million deal. Because if it's the Orioles offering 12 and the Dodgers offering 10, he's going to go back to L.A. But if they offered him $25 million over two years, that's suddenly real money that he's turning down. Uh, and he's probably not going to get that anywhere else. So the 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 fact that he just turned 38 about a week ago, and the, yep. the, the, the fact that the Orioles, that that left field wall has been moved back, and that might be a deterrent for, for him, and he's looking to potentially win another World Series before he, he calls it a day for his career, you don't think that that, scare, that, that doesn't scare him off, and the, the 38-year-old thing shouldn't I, scare the Orioles off? I don't think the 38-year-old thing, if, if he had truly had a down full season last year, I would, have, I would be looking the other way. His numbers, if you look at his numbers the second half of last year, they were very, very good. And I can't worry with every right-handed hitter that they're, they're not going to be able to hit home runs at this park. Yeah, Cause no, you can't. I, I don't want to end up. I don't want to end up with eight or nine left-handed hitters. You know, of course you, you got you play you play eighty-one games on the road. You know, so if you need to sit him a little more in the home games, you sit him a little. He's not a guy that's going to play one hundred and forty-five, one hundred and fifty games for me. He's probably going to be a one hundred and twenty-game guy, one hundred and twenty-five-game guy. But I think he's also the perfect guy to give Mountcastle a little bit of rest. I think he brings a lot more to the team than sort of picking through the Lewin Diaz and Frankie Cordero, uh, you know, crate, you know, that's, that's sort of the the fruit that's going bad to me rather than taking a once great player and projecting that he can still be good for you. Well, yeah. and, And Stan, you know what? 36 doubles, 81 RBIs in in only 128 games last year. And you yeah. you mentioned look at, and look at the look at the on base percentage yeah, and look no. at the career on base percentage. No, his career slash line is 289, 366, 466. That's an 832 yeah. career OPS. He's 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 a good player. He's a he's a solid bat for your order. And you're right. He's only played a, a, more than 135 games in a season twice in his career. So if he comes in and he right. plays 120 to 130 games for the Orioles and puts up those kind of numbers. Then yeah, that's that's a player that I would sign. I don't for. get any. I don't get any sign that they're even thinking about him. Right. But he's the guy I spotted. You asked me who I think would help, what ails this team offensively, and fits into that winning mode. You know, and I take nothing away from Jose Abreu. You know, Abreu's clearly a more dominant bat than him. But what has Abreu really ever won? In the right. big leagues, you right. know, and but MVP. Yet he would have brought, he would have brought, he would have brought a cachet with him. There's no question about sure. it. I would have loved to have had him. You know? Sure, sure. Stan, we are up so. against it. Zach's got to get out of here early yep. today, so we got to run. But we will talk right. to you next week. Enjoy the rest of the World yep. Cup. Stay safe Look out there. Look forward to it. Okay, you too, guys. Thanks. See ya. That was Stan the Fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment. I want to remind you that every week Stan has two 
great shows for you. On Monday nights, uh, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And on Thursday nights, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross were joined by Hall of Famer Jim Palmer. Find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back on Monday for another great show as Pressbox editor Luke Jackson joins them to break down the Orioles offseason. Luke's got a great baseball mind. We did two hours, basically, with him the last time Zach was off. So that's one you're going to want to tune into. we got to catch a break when we come back from the Baltimore Sun. He is Nathan Ruiz. He will join us next. That's next on The Bat Around. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com glorydaysgrill.com Great food, good sports. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at Pressbox online.com slash bowser the next highest bowser show is tuesday december 13th at the hamilton sports bar and grill 5506 harford road it's brought to you by maryland vascular specialists and the all-new ginsu kamado grill that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today 
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Today's show is brought to you by uh, online gambling with PressBox. PressBox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from all seven of Maryland's online sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get offers like $200 in free bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet or $1,000 in risk-free bets from BetMGM. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up Today, Today's show also brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, which is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. Get the details and reserve yours today at GinsuGrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off of your order. We're going to have uh, Nathan Ruiz here on the line in just a moment from the Baltimore Sun. Um, if you're just tuning in, uh, it's been reported that the Orioles are very much in on pitchers Carlos Rodon and Chris Bassett. Uh, John Heyman reporting about uh, Rodon, bat, uh, John John Morosi about uh, Chris Bassett. There was also a report that the Orioles had a Zoom meeting with Noah Syndergaard uh, yesterday. So... Things are kind of heating up here as we get closer and closer to the winter meetings, which again begin tomorrow. It's going to be the first in-person winter meetings since 2019. And our next guest, Nathan Ruiz, uh, was new to the beat in 2019. He joined the Orioles. Uh, he joined the Sun as the Orioles as an Orioles beat writer in March of 2019. So that means that he was at the 2019 winter meetings, which was the last one that was in person. With that in mind. On the line with us from the Baltimore Sun is Nathan Ruiz. Nathan, it's Paul. It's Zach. Good morning. How are you? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking some time. I know that you're probably ready to catch a flight out to San Diego if you're not already there. Uh, Nathan, this is going to be your second winter meetings, correct? Uh, I actually was not at the first one. The Sun only sent John Mioli. So uh, this will be my first experience with it, obviously, after the last two uh, we're missed out on because of the pandemic and the lockout, but looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, what what are your expectations? And with that, I mean, uh, in general, not for the Orioles. We're going to get to that, but what are your expectations as a first time for your first time appearance at the winter meetings this year? Yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see how everything kind of plays out. Obviously, we've started to see uh, a little bit of movement on the market with the Jacob Degrom deal last night. Mm -hmm. I think you know that's going to probably accelerate the pitching market a little bit. Just given that, you know, these things tend to wait for the big fish to sign before things start to move. I imagine that, you know, there could be some news on Aaron Judge in the near future, which could get the position player market going. So I, I think, you know, I hope we're in for a lot of excitement and, and hopefully some of that sprinkles on down to the Orioles. And a lot of reports coming out in the last couple of days about the Orioles. We heard from John Morosi that they're in on 
Um, Chris Bassett, John Heyman tweeted out this morning that they're in on Carlos Rodon. We heard that the Orioles had a Zoom meeting with Noah Syndergaard yesterday. What have you been hearing about the Orioles and the conversations that they're having regarding starting pitchers, regarding a middle-of-the-order bat? Is there anything that we haven't heard yet that you've been privy to? Yeah, you know, if I knew anything, I would have put it out there. But that's just to say, you know, the, those names that you're that you're seeing being out there, you know, I think that's the kind of thing the Orioles should be doing. They should be in on all of these names. They should be looking to make big additions. You know, you look at a club last year that wasn't expected to do a whole lot. I expected to, you know, push for another 100-loss season, and they ended up being the best team in the American League to not reach the postseason. So, obviously, I, you know, the hope would be that it doesn't take much to add on to this team and, and push it into the postseason. But I think you could also aim higher and make, some pretty significant addition, additions. They obviously have the payroll flexibility. They have the prospect depth to make some big moves here. And so when you're talking about the names that you threw out there, and I know maybe some of them aren't as exciting as others, but there's, there's going to be opportunities for them to improve this club during this winter, and hopefully they take advantage of it. With that Jacob deGrom domino falling, we expect that Justin Verlander might be the next big name to go down. Do you think that this means that, they, that now there will be more suitors for Chris, a guy like Chris Bassett, who for me, Nathan, was my number one target for this offseason as far as the rotation is concerned because I thought the other guys were kind of unrealistic. Is there? Do you think that he ends up being priced out of Baltimore's uh, budget because of the fact that so many other teams are going to be in on him? Yeah, you never know how these things work. Obviously, you know, teams besides the Rangers were interested in Jacob deGrom. And when you sure. don't get Jacob deGrom, you're going to turn your attention elsewhere. And obviously, Chris Bassett could be a logical target for that. And uh, any number of guys could kind of fall into that category. So it, it's definitely possible. But at the same time, the Orioles, uh, we don't know what their budget is. We don't know what their target payroll is. But at the same time, you know, they do have a ton of financial flexibility. Yeah. So uh, that's not to say that they'll go out and give someone $40 million a year or anything like that. Like, I don't think that the deal that Jacob DeGrom got uh, is something that was, to your point, like realistic. But it, it's definitely possible. It's plausible. It's something they could do if they wanted to. It's just a matter of, do they have that as a logical, you know, stepping stone for them as a piece for them as something they can do to improve this team. And so obviously Chris Bassett or anyone of that ilk is not going to require a, you know, a deal quite like that, but the opportunity is there. They're going to have the opportunity to improve this ball club and it's going to cost them money. It might cost them some prospects. And, and for the first time in Michael Isaac's tenure, they're, they're willing to do that. It's just the extent to which they are. Well, yeah. And you know, Nathan, I'm going to say it. And you've heard it ad nauseum since August. Liftoff. Fans are getting a little impatient that the rocket is still on the launch pad. We we know the winter meetings are generally the jumping off point, but we but the the question now becomes have we overblown what liftoff could mean, especially after Michael Lai said and you wrote about this, that the team won't go from zero to sixty right off the bat this offseason. Yeah, I think one thing to keep in mind with that, and I've been thinking about, you know, that comment in the same context as well. But, you know, Mike's full comment was basically it's lift off from here. And he didn't, you know, to the zero to 60 point, it's not, you know, we're going to be in Sa- at Saturn by Saturday. Like, it's not like it's an immediate thing. It's mm-hmm. a from here. It's a continued progression. They've been, you know, plotting this for years. This has been a long-term plan from the second Michael Elias took the job. And lift off from here doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be dropping five years, 180 plus million dollars on Jacob deGrom. It right. means we're going to make improvements from this point forward. And so I think when you hear the word liftoff, there is an expectation of they're going to be in it. They're going to be, you know, top of the market players. And even though the argument can be made that they should be, that, that's not necessarily what Michael Elias said. He said from here, this point forward, we will be trying to improve this ball club at a major league, at the major league level. And that is 
theoretically, I mean, you could make the argument they haven't done anything to this off se- the point this off season where they've hurt their team's major league chances. Like you can have a, a back and forth about the Jordan Lyles decision, but nothing's final until they show up in Sarasota, sure. and even then they still have another month plus to make moves. So there, there is I get I totally get the fan base's expectations of liftoff, like and, and Mike established them for himself when he used the word. But I also think that there's an understanding that. Maybe you get a little better this winter, you get a lot better next winter, and then things change from there. But uh, that's also not to say that they shouldn't be aiming really high. They shouldn't aim for liftoff to come this offseason. It's just a matter of how the pieces fall. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, when you, when, like you said, when fans first hear liftoff, it's like, oh, here we go. We're going to take, we're going to take off this offseason. But it's looking more and more like what you said. It's going to be a progression. Like you said, you don't get to Saturn in a day. So I still think that they're going to add to the team. They they have a number of needs. We we talked a little bit about the starting pitching. They need a middle of the order bat. They could use some relief help. They need a backup catcher. With that bat, they may be looking first base, DH, corner, outfield type. With that in mind, with the middle of the order bat, you're likely not in on Aaron Judge. You're likely not in on any of the marquee shortstops. So we heard a lot about Carlos Correa at this point last off season. What's the next bat? What, what? What? Who's next on that on that list that the Orioles could target? Are they going to have to trade for a bat? I don't really see anybody that could be that impact middle of the order bat unless you're talking about Josh Bell. And is even he too expensive? Yeah, Josh Bell is the name I was going to bring up. You look at the moves they made yesterday: Luis Diaz, Francis Cordero. I don't think either of those guys is necessarily someone to like keep an eye on going into Sarasota. One of them's on a minor league deal. One of them's a waiver claim, and who knows how long that, you know, Diaz lasts on the 40-man roster. We've seen a lot of guys coming on waiver claims, and I don't think many of them are still on the 40-man roster, if any of them. And so there's been a lot of fluctuation with the back end of their 40. um, But I think it kind of speaks to the type of player they're looking to add. You know, Cordero is a left-handed hitting, first base outfielder. Diaz, left-handed hitting, first baseman. You know, I think it speaks to, hey, this is an option we'd like to have. You look at the end of the season last year after they traded away Trey Mancini, they didn't really have a backup first baseman mm-hmm. uh, for about a month. You know, they had Tyler Nevin up. They had Adley Rutschman got some work over there, didn't play in a game. Anthony Santander spent the season getting some work over there, never appeared in a game. Taron Vavra got some work over there, never appeared in a game. So they had options until they, you know, signed Jesus Aguilar. And even that, you know, there were some offensive struggles there. He wasn't really an impactor, impactful player, right-handed hitter like Mount Castle was. So I think that there's, you know, some expiration. I think it's a logical move to make to have someone who can, you know, tandem with Mount Castle, give him more rest days. He was really solid defensively. He was really proud of his defensive improvements over there. A player who had uh, a lot of bad luck, you know, some well-struck balls that landed in gloves. And uh, you look at his expected numbers, there hope, there's hope that he can improve next season. But that doesn't mean that that's not an area that the Orioles can also upgrade by having a player who can, you know, tandem with him, who can be a DH, who can kind of move around the lineup in the and in that way, I think Josh Bell could be a logical fit. Struggled a bit after he was traded from Washington to San Diego. But I think, you know, and this applies to the pitching market too, it might make more sense for the Orioles to like to be targeting acquisitions via trade. When you look at the prospect depth they've built, and, and Mike Elias spoke to this at the end of the regular season, they're not going to be able to outbid other teams in terms of cash but they will be able to outbid other teams in terms of what they can offer in a trade package. And so if there's a player they like on the market, um, on the trade market, I should say, and they believe that they can improve their lineup and without necessarily, you know, if it's a, it's an arbitration guy, a guy who has two to three years left team control, uh, if not more. And if they can target him, then I think they'll do that too. So they, they just have a lot of options. Um, you know, Elias spoke to this in the season as well. Just the idea that there isn't a designated spot where, Hey, we need to, find an upgrade here. Obviously they lack a clear second baseman right now, but you could make an argument about, you know, Jorge Mateo, Ramon Urias, 
Uh, Taron Vavra's in that mix. They have some flexibility. They have guys to fill most spots. Again, there isn't a clear backup first baseman, isn't a clear backup catcher. So those are two spots that you could, uh, you know, make some targets at. But that is to say that they do have a lot of, again, positional flexibility, financial flexibility, and prospect depth to make whatever move they really want to make. Now, somebody that intrigues me, and I don't know if you've heard much about him with regards to the Orioles, former Rookie of the Year, former MVP. He got non-tendered by the, by the Dodgers this year, and that's Cody Bellinger. He's 27 years old. He had the shoulder injury in 2020, and he's been a shell of him of his former self. But if, And he's reportedly looking for a one-year deal. He plays outfield. He plays first base. He can DH for you. He's a left-handed hitter is that somebody that the Orioles could be looking at uh, to me he reeks of New York Yankees he just smells like a New York Yankees reclamation pro- project but is that somebody that you think would make a lot of sense for Baltimore I, I do um that's not to say that I you know know of any direct connection between them I did see on Jackson Holiday's Instagram that the two of them were working out together recently mm-hmm. uh with his dad with Jackson's dad so there there is some connection there that's not to say that anything is actually going to happen or that's going to lead to anything. But I think, you know, you, you, you look at what the deals that Michael Elias has typically signed free agents to, they've been, you know, position players on one-year deals. And obviously Cody Bellinger is of a different ilk than a Freddie Galvis or a Jose Iglesias sure. or a Rubnet Odor. Uh, but you, you could add that bat to the mix. And obviously you, you look at, you know, Camden Yards is still a pretty solid place to hit if you're a left-handed hitter. Obviously would have some playing time opportunities for him in terms of what we talked about earlier with the outfield left-handed DH first base amalgamation and and so I, I think there would be an opportunity for him here uh, it depends on you know what the price point is uh you know the Orioles obviously you know that word got floated around with the Jordan Lyles decision and so I think that uh you know it's going to come down to just again where do these players fit in terms of their lineup where do these players fit in terms of what the Orioles are willing to pay for them and if, if the opportunity presents itself then the Orioles will strike but if not then you know they'll continue to do uh you know take the approach that they've taken throughout this rebuild you also talked. You just talked a little bit about the Orioles have the positional flexibility. They have all these young guys, a lot more young guys, and they have positions for. And I'm looking at this team going into 2023. And while the the team has turned a corner, to me, Nathan, it still looks like it's going to be a big year of evaluation. You could potentially have rookies at three or four infield spots by midseason, and two of the three outfield spots. Rotation is going to feature rookies, likely in Grayson, Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall. Plus, you're going to have Dean Kramer, Tyler Wells, and Kyle Bradish trying to build off fairly successful seasons. Your bullpen, you have no idea what that's going to look like aside from Felix Bautista. Is that reason enough to temper the expectations for this offseason? Because you have so many young guys in so many spots. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing to look back on is, you know, Michael Isa's comments after they traded away Trey Mancini about, you know, the probabilities, the playoff probabilities. And you look at this team as it's composed right now, the, there haven't been a ton of playoff projection models put out yet for 2023, but those that I've seen are not favoring the Orioles. They have them as a losing team. They have them in last in the American League East. Mm-hmm. And obviously last year that was the case as well, and they surprised a lot of people. But that also speaks to the roster they have right now is not expected – to be a playoff contending team. And they know that, and they're looking to add to it. The roster they have right now is not the roster they will have on opening day. But that is to say that there is some expectation that some of last year was, I'm going to use this word loosely, but fluky. There was, you know, some expectation that a bunch of relievers who came over on waiver claims had really great seasons. A lot of guys, you know, Felix Batista had a great season, wasn't a waiver claim guy, obviously. But the stuff plays, you know, look at Sinel Perez, the stuff plays, Brian Baker, the stuff plays. But the league is going to adjust to these guys as they've mm-hmm. gotten now a fuller look at them. You look at the success that even guys like a Gunnar Henderson or an Adley Rutschman had. Obviously, a lot of success at the gate, 
you know, teams now are going to have an offseason to learn how do we pitch these guys? How do we, you know, take advantage of their weak spots? And so I think there is going to be, same applies to a guy like Tyler Wells or Dean Kramer or Kyle Bradish. Like, other teams are all really, really smart, and they're going to find ways to target these players' weaknesses. And it's going to be on them to make an adjustment back. And we saw that, you know, with Dean Kramer, had a really rough 2021 and bounced back in 2022. But now teams are going to say, well, what was different in 2022 and how can we attack it? Kyle Bradish had a really rough first half, came back off the IL, was really strong. Teamers, teams are going to look and say, what was different? How can we attack it? And so it's going to be on these players to make an adjustment back. And so to your point, that I think there is a reasonable expectation that this team could take a step back. And the Orioles' internal modeling might be saying the same thing. And so, but with the signs of improving, of making the playoffs to 2023, that means there's a level of investment of improvements that need to be made to make that happen. And so that's not to say that the Orioles are, you know, doomed to slide back and, and take a step back or anything like that. But um, I think that there would be some, you know, reasonable expectations, so to speak, that some players will not be as good as they were in 2022. We saw it with Cedric Mullins. I think, you know, you had the expectation that he was maybe just going to be not necessarily a 30-30 level player, but just a really strong top-of-the-order hitter uh, for years to come. And obviously still had a really remarkable season that I think is being viewed in the limelight of coming after his impressive 2021, mm-hmm. but obviously he took a step back. So I think you just need to be prepared for players to have their struggles, but obviously the opportunity is there for them to make enough upgrades to kind of overcome that. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like that. And I'm glad that you mentioned um, some parts of the bullpen and the waiver claims that Michael Elias was so successful with last year. Do you think that that's um, kind of the, the same approach that the Orioles are going to take this year, more the waiver claim uh, situation to figure out their bullpen? Or could you envision them bringing in maybe a relief, uh, a, a veteran relief pitcher, somebody like a Zach Britton or a David Robertson to kind of mentor some of these young guys and provide a little bit of stability that maybe waned uh, down the stretch last season? Yeah, I, I think they kind of struck waiver claim gold, so to speak. You mm-hmm. look at getting Jorge Mateo, Ramon Arias, Brian Baker, Cienal Perez. Like they, they had a really good year for their waiver claim. You throw Jorge Lopez into that as well before he was traded away. And so they, they, they really, you know, like I said, they struck gold on a lot of guys. But you also look at the history of, of what they've done in the waiver area, and it necessarily hasn't been that successful. You know, they've had some guys that have stuck around for a year or two. Obviously, you know, like a Hanzo Alberto was a fan favorite for a while. Rio Ruiz had some impactful plays and in, in, in games and hits. Obviously, the walk-off home run stands out. But that's all to say that they're not going to have the same. Not every Buen Diaz isn't necessarily going to develop into Ramon Arias and obviously left-handed hitter, first baseman. Not a, not, a, not a perfect comp, but that's to say that not all these guys are going to be impactful players who stick around and have a year two or three of of influence in Baltimore. And so I do think that you know you're welcome to kind of play the fringes of your roster. Uh, as they've done, and sometimes you find a player who really is going to help you out in the years to come. But at the same time, like we, like I said earlier, you know, we've seen a lot of waivers claim transactions already with them this offseason, and very few of those guys have actually stuck around on the 40-man roster. So I think we'll kind of continue to see that to an extent of them just trying to find whatever incremental advantages they can have. But if you have the opportunity to, uh, you know, invest in the roster in any significant way, they should take it. If there's a way for them to improve this club while sticking within the boundaries of whatever predefined payroll they have in mind, they should take it. Yeah, no, I, I I think we're on the same page there, Nathan. And we're certainly looking forward to seeing what happens maybe as early as today or tomorrow with regards to the winter meetings and the moves that the Orioles are going to make. Please have a safe trip out to San Diego. I hope you get to soak in some of that beautiful weather out there. I'm going to be jealous because I'm going to be stuck here in this rainy crap that we have in Baltimore right now. But um, is there anything that we can plug for you before we let you go today? Yeah, I would just be sure to, you know, keep tuned to baltimoresun.com slash sports slash Orioles. I think, you know, we'll 
continue to cover this team and analyze its moves as well as anyone uh, around the league. And so I, I think that, you know, just follow our work and, and keep up with it. And, and yeah, hopefully everything, uh, as the Orioles start to make some big moves here, hopefully in the next, like you said, day or two, uh, we'll be on top of it. All right, Nathan, thank you so much. We look forward to your reporting for the winter meetings and beyond, and hopefully we'll talk, talk to you here down the line, all right? Yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. All right, take care. And that was Nathan Ruiz from the Baltimore Sun, gracious enough to give us some time before he heads out to San Diego for the winter meetings. Maybe Zach and he will be on the same flight today. Um, that's very. <laughs> I was thinking about that. You know, that's very possible. I, I, I wonder who I'll see because I do know a lot of the, the faces now in the uh, in the media industry and also in the Orioles front office. We'll see who we see. Zach, you didn't ask him to, to grab a beer with you, man. I'll give him a text. Yeah, I'll give him a text. Yeah, you, you should. Uh, if you see him, just go sit down next to him. Just yeah, go, that, yeah. <laughs> come on. Go. This is Zach Goodman from the Batter Out. <laughs> he, he, I believe he just got engaged. Um, oh, did he? Okay, th- nice. This, nice. This past year, so you just can tell his. his uh, be like, hey. We're baseball guys. Tell his fiance to go sit in a different seat. You you take this. <laughs> of course. By the way, I was told uh, by not only by you but by other people who've been to the winter meetings that the, apparently the bars are the place to spend your time, especially at night, because that's where a lot of the executives go uh, after mm-hmm. after the day's done. So I'll you know maybe Nathan will be there. You oh, never know. Oh, oh, oh man, Zach trying to develop a problem at, at, <laughs> in in four days. The, yeah, the, the winter meetings. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you have a problem. If you're not paying attention to the latest edition of Press Box, which is available now on the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all the teams in the area and Bo Smolka profiles Ravens receiver Devin Duvernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Did you catch that Maryland basketball game last night? You know, I didn't. I did not. <clears throat> Dude, they're they're playing out of their minds right now. They're 8-0 I know. In, yeah. the, in the Kevin Willard era. You know, they, they, they had some wins at the beginning of the—it's still the beginning of the season, but yeah. the first few games, they had some wins that maybe you didn't expect them to win, and they played in that tip-off classic, uh-huh. and Kevin Willard had said that if it was him scheduling these games, because these games got scheduled years in advance, he wouldn't have scheduled these games. And then they go out and they win the tournament. Yeah. They're 8-0. They, they face the Illini last night, who were ranked 16th. Maryland ranked number 22. Maryland got out to a 12-point lead at one point in that game. Um, the Illini, because they're a ranked team and they're good, they come fighting back. They had it tied late in the game, and then Maryland pulls away. They win by five last night. Just an incredible atmosphere. This team is playing out of their minds right now. And Kevin Willer, when they asked him about um, the atmosphere and all that after the game, he goes, you know, I don't know about that. I'm going to go have... Have have a beer, kind of digest all this, and probably have nine more after that. Uh, it just seems like a guy that you want coaching your team and a guy you want to root for. Sounds like a guy I'm going to see in the bar at San Diego. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. This, I hope he's not in San Diego, man. He's not doing some. He's doing something wrong if he's out there instead of coaching the Maryland basketball team. Mm. But the Maryland basketball team is certainly this is where they should be, and they're only going to get better. This is the they should be one of the top 25 teams in the country year in and year out. And honestly. Competing for national championships. It's looking good right now. It no certainly doubt. is. Um, what else is looking good today? Maryland has online mobile betting, which you can do now 
by getting some free offers from Pest from Pressbox. We're offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from all seven of Maryland's online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers now and get offers like $100 in free bets from Barstool after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1500 in risk-free bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up today. Zach, now's as good a time as any for sounding off, and you have something that you want to talk about regarding potentially a backup catcher. And this is more of a dream yeah. scenario. Not dream scenario, but more of a, I guess, dream scenario, well, for lack of a better term. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't think this is something that's going to be very difficult to do if the Orioles try to do it, but I have a suggestion for them. I have a trade proposal for them. Um... I would like to acquire Alex Jackson from the Brewers. He was a first-round pick, uh, six overall, actually, in 2014. If you read the book Astro Ball, he's actually featured in it for a, a chapter or two where they talk about him and Byron Buxton and all the other guys that went in that 2014 draft. I believe Carlos Correa ended up being the number one overall pick in that draft. But he was part of that. Now, Alex Jackson was a guy coming out of high school. He had massive power. He was actually, at that time, profiled as an above-average above defender behind the plate. Um, a guy that looked like the complete package. He mm-hmm. you know, wasn't an Adley Rutschman kind of prospect or anything, but he was a very, very good catching prospect and one of the best that had come out in years. And if you go back and you look at his numbers throughout the minors, throughout the majors, he's struggled. He just hasn't really been able to find the bat-to-ball skills. The power's been there. I mean, he's, he's hit 20-plus home runs in the minors multiple times now. He's been able to get the, the power numbers there, but the, the, the bat-to-ball skills, the on-base percentage, they've all been low. And he's also not quite the defender that he was coming out of college anymore. He's just an average defender now with a bit of a plus arm. This is a guy I would love to see the Orioles give a chance. They're they're clearly the backup catcher position right now is open. They're mm-hmm. they're bringing guys through waiver claims. Why not send some international bonus money or something pretty cheap? Send something to try to get Alex Jackson from the Brewers. They have him off their forty man right now in the minors. I don't imagine it would take that much international bonus money to make that trade. This seems like an option where you know maybe there's some some unlocked potential with this guy. Maybe you unlock what he can do at the plate, make him to make more contact, um, and allow him to get to that power more. Get to, you know get him to get on base more, um, and then maybe they can work with him become a better defender, a better pitch framer. This is a guy I, I just don't think he's gotten between injuries and between opportunities really a fair shake in the major leagues yet and i'd love to see the orioles give him a run for the backup uh, catcher position if they can make that trade well yeah and the brewers they announced yesterday that uh they're inclined to keep their arbitration eligible yeah. guys in brendan woodruff uh corbin burns and um willie adamas mm-hmm. but maybe if you i don't know i i it, i don't know what you'd have to give up to get him he's certainly an intriguing option he, he um, the fact that he's 27 and off their 40-man roster and the fact that he's I don't see him as part of their plans. That's right. what I'll say. Well, and, and maybe if you offer, I don't know, you you make an offer for for Corbin Burns, mm-hmm. for example, and we're going to get into that in Orioles banter yeah. after our next break. Um, but you make an offer for Corbin Burns, and you're like, and if you throw in Ale- Alex Jackson, we'll also give you yeah. this. Um, right. Something something could happen. I, I'd be intrigued if, if the power number is there, and he can be yeah. a better defender than Robinson Chirinos. Oh and, yeah. And, oh yeah. And you. You're not as upset about that guy playing on Sundays and on a Wednesday one o'clock game after a Tuesday seven o'clock game. 
I'd be for it. You know, yeah. I, I, I'd be intrigued to say the least. And if he was part of the Astros organization, there's ties to Mike Elias there. So that's something that that uh, was he part of the? You no, said, no, he, he was not. Um, he was drafted by the Braves, I believe. Right, overall. but you, you said that he was mentioned in Astro Ball. Astro Ball, right? At, the Astros front office was looking at him uh, for the number one overall pick, along with Byron Buxton, gotcha, and Carlos gotcha. Correa. Yeah. So, so Mike Elias is familiar. Yes, with definitely. Him. definitely he, yeah. He's familiar with him and his background and, and all that. So it, it could be an interesting fit. Um, it's hard to speculate about a trade, right? It, it's it's hard sure. to, to Just speculate, a suggestion, uh, really. especially a guy who's now not on a forty-man yeah. roster. But if it happened, I. It, you can say Zach Goodman had it first. Um, <laughs> yeah, just I, it's a suggestion because they're running all these guys out there right now. Clearly, they don't really have a plan. They don't yeah. really have a plan at that backup spot. So, hey, why not throw another guy uh, into the mix? A month ago, they had six catchers on their 40-man right. roster, and now they're back down to just Adley Rutschman. Exactly. And I believe this guy can be as good as Robinson Torino's, if not better. Yeah. You know, I, so, and he's probably going to come a lot cheaper. And, and, I don't know. And let's, let's be honest, folks, and we've talked about it on this show a lot and on other shows a lot. You're not going to get a good hitter yeah. as your backup catcher. No, so if no. you have a guy that has that kind of pop profile, yeah. you could do a hell of a lot worse, right? Definitely. So uh, it's 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 a good sounding off segment, Zach. And like you said, you wanted to put more th- thought into some of these for the off season, and that's a good one, man. That's 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 a good idea. That maybe the Orioles, you, you know, you're gonna you might be meeting with some people with, with from the <laughs> Orioles in in, in San Diego. I, you know, what? I think I might have a Brewers meeting, so you never know. Throw you it should out there. you <laughs> should meet with both of them at the same time. Oh, that's hey, a great guys, idea. How, how yeah. do you feel about this trade? And then you're idea. definitely not gonna be working on the show <laughs> next week because they one of those teams will. Hire you. you know, I still, I, I think I've said this on the show before, but I did make the suggestion to Mike Elias for Ramon Arias. Nobody believes me, but it happened. I, I said to Mike Elias, I said, you, you should go out and, and claim Ramon Arias. And he said, well, uh, you never know. Let's see what happens in the next few days. And then they did that. But uh, clearly they already put the claim in by that time. But I'm going to take credit for it. Well, you should, um, you should take <laughs> some of that prognosticating that you're so yeah. good at. And head on down to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season. It's the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast, any sports enthusiast where you can take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. I thought that was a pretty damn good segue. And you, what you, a segue! You usually are like, "Wow, that was a good one, Paul." And nothing. You know what? Crickets. I, I, I was writing it down. wasn't really paying attention. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. Wh- whatever. We got to. You catch deserve it. better. Uh, I, you're damn right. I hope you do get a job because I do deserve better on this show. All right, we got to catch our second break. When we come back, Orioles banter, uh, and maybe some other stuff. All that and more next on the Battle Round. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A Nuggets to Mac and Cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today umbc basketball is back at chesapeake employers insurance arena and tickets are available now at umbcretrievers.com don't miss any of the great early season matchups as the men take on local rivals morgan state on december 10th and the women square off with american on december 18th and on new year's day a rematch of last year's america east championship game when the men welcome vermont to the peak experience the excitement of game day by getting your tickets right now to come see the retrievers at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. Lock yours in at umbcretrievers.com. And we're back here live on the Batter Round. I know we've been talking a lot about um, online betting and the offers that press box is giving. But bet responsibly, responsibly, people. If you're having an issue with with gambling, we know it can be fun. You need to set a limit and stay within it. And remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Don't lose your kid's college fund. That's not a good idea. Trust me on this one. I'm just kidding. Because you lost your kids. I, 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 I lost I lost Bruce's, yeah. pup, Bruce's Puppy University College right. Fund, um, and that dog has never forgiven me. Never, he's he's, never he's the you. best freaking dog in the world, man. He's going to be nine months old on, the, wow, on December 25th. Quick. Yeah, he, well, and he's he's just awesome. He's just such a good boy. He December is. 25th? You got him on Christmas last year. I didn't know that. Nine months old. Oh, sweet, nine sweet, months. Sweet, sweet math, bro. Whoa, we got. I, he was born March twenty fifth. We, we got him May twenty. I have never had more of a uh, 
more of a lapse in, <laughs> in brain activity Never? than that one right there. I don't know, man. You've been doing wow. the show with me for three years. I've seen a lot of brain Whew. lapses from you. I don't there know what that was. There was a point today where I was snapping at you because you were like this. Really? I didn't even know you were snapping. <laughs> exactly. You don't. You, Sometimes you, I zone you out. In a, you were in a daze. You, know, you zoned out so hard, and I and like it was distracting me, and I'm like snapping. I was at just. You. I was. I, you know, it was during Nathan Ruiz, wasn't it? Yeah. Because it, I was just. I was listening to him, man. I had to. I was listening. to it's him. It's so funny, man. Because um, like I'd be texting. Nine a, months. I, I'd be texting a guest, or I'd be responding to, to like my mom or something during a show when I was producing Glenn, and Glenn would be snapping at me. Really? And I'm like, why the hell is he snapping at me? I'm paying attention, and now yeah. I, I totally understand because it's like because I'm always I, listening. I'm I mean, always because listening. I'm looking right at you, and uh, dude, I don't, I don't really have an issue with it. I just have you were like, and I couldn't <laughs> stop looking at you, just being like you That's were so funny. clearly zoned out yeah. that I was just like. Whoa! Hey, hey, hey! You're zoning me out now. I, but no, you're uh, you're good. You're good. Uh, it's time for Orioles banter. Orioles banter brought to you by your local Toyota dealers. The Toyota Tacoma, for example, comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose a perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Orioles banter. What are we realistically comfortable? With And the reason I thought of this is because I saw a trade proposal by The Score that we teased a little bit um, at the beginning of the show. Um, they proposed that the Orioles send the Brewers, Colton Kowser, D.L. Hall, Jordan Westberg, and Kyle Bradish <laughs> to the Brewers okay. for Corbin Burns and Adrian Hauser. And look, I understand that you've got to give up good players to get good players. You're trying to trade the 2021 number five overall pick in the draft mm -hmm. who made it to AAA in his first pro season. Your organizational minor league player of the year. One of the top left-handed pitching prospects in the baseball who's an 80-grade prospects in baseball yeah. in and has an 80-grade fastball and throws four pitches. And... uh pitcher coming off a rookie season where in his last 13 starts pitched to a 3-2-8 ERA and had a six-start stretch where four times he went eight innings he went seven innings or more with two hits and one run or less that's it's too much it's a lot that's that's you know, way too much uh, a i don't think anybody wants adrian hauser not really you know he, he's he's maybe a four or five i take adrian hauser but not in that kind of deal but but not if he i guess if he's a throw-in for corbin burns but you you're not gonna get me to give up those four players. No. Those four players are for Corbin Burns, not really for Hauser. I don't really right. see him bring much back in that compared to Corbin Burns. The, the, there's no way. The, the Orioles are trying to stockpile left-handed bats that get on base and don't strike out. So they're going to trade away the guy they took in the, with their first yeah. pick in the draft no. two, uh, two seasons ago. Uh, they're going to trade away. Jordan Westberg makes sense as a, as a, he's a versatile guy minor league player of the year he's got some cachet to him he's a top 100 prospect and he's yeah. number 76 uh in the top 100 for baseball america mm -hmm. or, or and will be he's top 100 for both publications yes. um if you trade him and i don't know man i'm not willing to give up young pitching like dl hall and kyle Bradish. well you talk about what you're comfortable with and that's the good conversation here is what you're comfortable with prospect wise and trading i'm not comfortable trading colton Kowser. i think he is the piece of this outfield that is going to be here for the longest time mm -hmm. I, I think colton Kowser is an excellent player um and we've been over that a lot in the show yeah. but he <clears throat> colton Kowser is great jordan westberg I actually would trade. I, I would be open to it if mm -hmm. for the right deal. And certainly in a Corbin Burns deal, I think he'd be front and center in it. 
I would be very open to that because they do have a lot of infield depth at the moment, and we talk about it all the time on the show that there's a logjam there. And, you know, it, you resolve that by th- trades and, and by other things, <laughs> as in guys, you know, moving on and, and becoming free agents and, and all that. But Jordan Westberg is a guy that doesn't really at this moment, at this very moment, have a lockdown spot. So, yeah, I, I could certainly be open to trading Jordan Westberg. D.L. Hall, I you know, I, I think he's a back-end reliever. I still believe that. Um, I would be open to that as well. Kyle Bradish, no. Kyle Bradish and Colton Cowser, I'm not open to it. Kyle Bradish showed last year why he's probably at number three in the starting rotation. Well, and, and, and that can be very valuable for the Orioles. And, and what Colton Cowser was, Colton Cowser, what Kyle Bradish was able to do last year, and you look at his two starts against uh, two of those four, two of those four starts where he went seven innings or more with mm-hmm. two hits and one runner less. Um, two of those were against the Houston Astros, yep. who just won the World Series. Yep. Had won 106 games this past year. Uh, he looks like if he completely figures it out. He's not a three. He looks like a one. He absolutely. He could looks be. like he, and that's yeah, and that's I, why Matt Blood said that he yeah. is. He holds him in the same regard that he holds D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. Right. And I, I firmly believe that a guy like D.L. Hall is somebody that Chris Holt can really figure it out. It's possible. Very possible. If, if D.L. Hall, the four pitches that he throws, if he figures it out, and and, and he's young. He's, what, 23 years he old? He is, but based on the injury <clears throat> history... I would and the command issues. I'd still be open to trading him. He's not one of the guys I cut off. Like I, I'd, I'd be open to trading him, but not with those other guys. And I, uh, I'd yeah, only yeah, be yeah. open to trading mm-hmm. him in a deal for like Shohei Otani, not for Corbin. Okay, Burns. that's completely fair. I, I would, I would and, still and, and be open I, to that. I like Corbin Burns. I like Corbin Burns. And, I, and but the thing is, and somebody made a good point about this on Twitter the other day. D.L. Hall has six years of team control. He does, and he's a lefty. You don't have. Lefties in your rotation right now. Yeah, Corbin Burns. Maybe you you he's got two years left. Maybe you extend him. Yeah, but I have a guy who's cheaper, who could become Corbin Burns or maybe better. Yeah. Now he's not going to become Corbin Burns because Corbin Burns doesn't walk anybody. Yeah. Um, and D.L. Hall is always going to have his issues with walks. Yeah. But to me, I've it's got to be somebody that I think is. And again, I, I like Corbin Burns, but if I think that D.L. Hall can be that or better, why am I going to trade him for somebody that's older and going to cost me more? Because Corbin Burns puts you over the top, I think, right now. I think Corbin Burns becomes immediately, regardless of Grayson Rodriguez, your number one starting pitcher. Well, and he makes a massive difference. I mean, I think he makes a six-win difference for the Orioles. Okay, so then instead of giving getting rid of one of your prospects, go sign Carlos Rodon, and then you get to keep D.L. Hall. You could. I... <clears throat> That, that's a that's a very fair argument. It's a very fair argument. Yeah, yeah. like you can, and, and, and I guess that's more so my argument is the fact okay. that you can go out and sign Chris Bassett and Carlos Rodon, mm-hmm. and it, that puts you over the top, and you don't have to get rid of anybody to do that. Yeah, I mean, the only guy that you look, have on on the books right now is John Means. If if the Brewers came to me and said, if I was Michael Elias, and they said we want Jordan Westberg and DL Hall for Corbin Burns, I'm not, oh, you, I'm you not do thinking that. twice. I'm not thinking twice, I, but. I, I get what you're saying. That is a fair argument that Rodon is... He's not better than Corbin Burns, Not in, I don't think in any way, but without losing D.L. Hall and Jordan Westberg, you can get almost the same production. Well, and it's, it's, it's crazy because I'm sitting here, I'm like, I don't want to trade D.L. Hall for Corbin Burns. And you're like, if you can get him for... Get Burns for D.L. Hall and Westberg, I say, you do that. Well, because if, if you only have to give up two players to get... Corbin yeah, Burns. I don't even think that. I don't think that gets it done. I think I, the yeah. Brewers would ask for more. I, I, I think that they would, and and that's my point is that like if you're including DL Hall in a large package for Corbin Burns, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do that. Yeah. If you could trade DL Hall for Corbin Burns straight up, I think I'd be willing to do that. But that's not going to happen no. either. For me, 
you can go out there and you have such payroll flexibility. You can sign Rodon and Bassett, hang on to those to those players, and still have a payroll under a hundred million dollars this year. Mm-hmm. Well under a hundred million dollars this year. To me, it's why am I going to trade some of my top prospects to get somebody when I can still have a really low payroll and sign these players? Yeah, certainly you add in Colton Cowser and, and, and Kyle Bradish to that deal, and it looks a lot worse. I mean, that's that's two extremely valuable guys that are... I mean, Kyle Bradish is already a major piece in this team, mm-hmm. but you look at Colton Cowser, he's going to be up by May 2023, and you know he's going to make a huge difference. So you add in four really good players for really you know four very notable prospects that makes it much tougher for me no i i absolutely agree now the orioles are going to need a bat yeah. they're, they're going to need a bat josh bell is out there is there any now look josh bell he doesn't strike out yeah he gets on base at like a 370 clip mm-hmm. and he's got power and right? he's only a few years removed from that 37 homer 119 rbi season he was hitting well over 300 I uh, was on pace for about a 25 homer season with the nationals when he got traded and fell off a cliff yeah. for san diego but everybody fell off a cliff for San Diego until they got to the postseason. Yeah. So, I mean, Juan Soto was terrible. He was. Out there. And he's one. we agree that he's one of the best young hitters in all yep. of baseball. Uh, is Josh Bell a guy that, I mean, he, he hits from both sides of the plate for power, hits for average, he gets on base, he can DH, he can play first base. That's what you're looking for. He'd be, yep. he'd be batting left-handed more often than not. Right. That's a perfect player for the Orioles that maybe you don't have to spend $25 million a year on a player. Uh I wasn't sold on him at the beginning of the offseason, but I'm becoming more and more. Because if he's the best of what's left and the Orioles are able to get him, I can't get upset about it. I Right. I, I'm, I'm really in agreement with you there. I'm not a big Josh Bell guy. You know, a switch hitter, a lot of power. There's a lot, a lot to like. But I, I don't know. I don't see the fit necessarily with the Orioles. I'm not sure he's a... Do you think he's a, a real middle-of-the-order bat? I think, I think that he... He gets on base. He, do, he does he, get on base. He, he gets on I, base. He has. He takes better at bats mm-hmm. than Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Santander. Oh, I totally agree with so, that. So if, if so, for me, if you sign Josh Bell mm-hmm. and you bat him fourth, now you can bat Santander fifth and Mountcastle sixth. That's true. And he elongates your yeah. lineup. And t- and when you get two guys on base in the first inning. And you have your three, four, five hitters up. Now your three, four, five hitters are, uh, assuming it's Mullins at the top. I, I, I'd probably bat Rutschman too. No, I'd probably bat Henderson. Henderson too. Henderson okay. too. And then you have the switch hitting Rutschman yeah. three, the switch hitting Bell four. Yeah. Now you you get your first two guys on, and now you have Rutschman, yeah. Bell, and Santander. So you have three switch hitters in a row. That makes your lineup formidable. It does. And maybe the the San Diego numbers are clouding my judgment a little bit. That's and, possible. And, and, and he was bad in the postseason. He was. He was. And maybe that's clouding my judgment. But I, you look at a guy like J.D. Martinez, I still think that's a better fit. Um, you know, it just gets on base more than, than Bell does. And Bell, I believe that to be true. Um, you know, he's going to hit for a higher average than Bell does. Uh, the power numbers, of course, are going to go to Bell. I don't know. Josh Bell, to me, maybe I was just envisioning someone a little better. When we talk about middle-of-the-order bat... Well, I think that we all... I was really considering Jose Abreu as opposed to Josh Bell. But then again, Josh Bell, like you said, I mean, what he did with Washington was very productive. And maybe the the San Diego numbers are an anomaly for him. All right, so you you look at J.D. Martinez. Okay. In 2022, his slash time was 274, 341, 448 with 790 OPS. Uh, 16 homers, 43 doubles, 62 runs batted, and he walked 52 times, struck out 145 times. Okay. Uh, his career slash line, and he's been getting worse as he's getting older. Yeah. 288, 352, 520, yeah. 
872. Now let's go look at Josh Bell. Okay. Um, I may be wrong. He may uh, have a higher OBP. Josh Bell in 2022, 266, 362 OBP. Okay. 422 slugging, 784 OPS. So the the batting average was lower, but the other the other three numbers were higher. What was the Padres OBP? The Padres OBP was uh, 271. Okay. He was not good. But with the Nationals, I'm sorry, 316. 316. Okay. With the Nationals, it was 384. Um, but then you look at Josh Bell overall, even with those bad numbers, he had a 41 to 32 strikeout to walk ratio with the okay. Padres. 81 walks last year to just 102 strikeouts. Career slash line, 262, 351, 459, 810. The thing with him, he's going to be 30. When the season starts, yeah. Whereas he, he, no, he's already thirty. Yeah, he's gonna be thirty when the season starts. JD Martinez is 35, 36 year, 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 years old. Yeah, and the numbers are declining every year. Uh, you, uh, if they sign either one of them, I'd be happy with yeah. it. But I think at this point, Josh Bell is the better bet, and, okay. he, and he gets on base more at this point in his career. He does get on base. See, more. I, I'd still go for JD. Uh, JD personally, that's just my personal belief there. Um, you, you got me on the numbers there, no doubt. But I, I still believe that JD is going to be a more consistent hitter as well. JD, people forget how consistent the guy is. You know, he was and, and, fair, fair. Was. I mean, maybe and, maybe and, I'm talking about what a guy was as opposed to what well, he and, is. And, and, uh, that, and that's the thing. A lot of times, what gets people in trouble and what got the Orioles in trouble with Chris mm-hmm. Davis is that you're paying that guy for yeah. what he's been, not what he's going to be. And that's a really fair argument. I maybe these two players aren't as as far away from each other as I thought they were. Well, but the, I mean, that's that's certainly the thing about JD Martinez. And I mentioned JD Martinez earlier this week, and people were like, "Oh, that doesn't fit what the Orioles are looking for." No, it, he's the it one does. right-handed batter that that does fit what the Orioles yeah. are looking for yeah. because he goes oppo and to center. A whole hell of a lot. Yeah. And he still, despite the fact that he's, he's not going to hit 40 home runs anymore. No. But he could still hit you 20. Oh, yeah. And he's going to be a guy you put in the middle of your order, and you know that he can get the job done more often than not. Let's not forget he was on a bad Red Sox team this year, too. Yeah, he, that he, 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 he was on it. a bad Red Sox team, and a, it, it can be easy to, when your team's playing as terribly as the Red Sox right. were playing, it can be easy to get lackadaisical. And you don't want that p- profile in a player, right. but it happens to the best of us. Right? Yeah. It, it, I, it's... it's and you're not I, protected in the lineup as, right. as greatly. I, if you put J.D. Martinez in a lineup where in front of him is is Rutschman and behind him is Santander and yep. Mountcastle, that's a guy who can do some damage in this yeah. Orioles lineup. And really, the Orioles are, in my opinion, one legitimate middle-of-the-order bat away mm-hmm. from being a formidable offense yeah. with guys knocking on the door. And that's why when I, when I hear that they're out on Judge and Nimmo and... These uh, big big name shortstops, where somebody that can slide over and play second base, I'm like, why? These are the best bats out there, and you one of these guys puts you over the top offensively. Well, it's probably because of what Michael Elias said, right? The not we're not going zero to sixty, we're going zero to I think he, what do you say, forty five, thirty five? No, that was Stan wrote the article. Oh, Stan the, said that. Stan, okay. Stan said got the Orioles could go in two different lanes, the zero to forty five or the zero to thirty five. Yeah, right, and, and that's that's a, that's a really good analogy. Well, but also zero to sixty, signing one of those guys isn't going zero to sixty. If you signed, mm, I think, it, I think it, Judge it, would be. If, well, yeah, but if you signed Trey Turner, uh, Carlos Rodon, and and Justin Turner, mm-hmm. uh, as ESPN said, would be the Orioles' perfect offseason. Yeah. Yeah, that's going zero to sixty. If if you sign, if you sign Rodon, 
Chris Bassett and JD Martinez. Zero to forty-five more. Yeah, more yeah, like, yeah. You, you got a really good. You got two really good starting pitchers. One yeah. better. One's a, a legitimate Cy Young candidate. The other one is a guy who's a solid two. Yeah. Or, or solid two or three. And then you got a bat that elongates your lineup. That's not going zero to sixty. That's just making prudent moves to make your team your team better right now while not sacrificing the future. And you still have a payroll well. Yeah. Under a hundred million dollars, you're talking about payroll is probably about in the eighty-five to ninety million dollar range, and, and that's something that I think should be doable for the Orioles, and maybe it is moving forward. And another guy that I mentioned to um, Nathan Ruiz a few minutes ago is Cody Bellinger. Now, look, I don't know that Cody Bellinger is ever going to be what he was. Yeah, he had that shoulder injury in 2020, and he hasn't been the same player since. He's looking for a one-year make make good deal. He's a Scott Boris client. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a guy. He's 27 years old. He was a 2017 National League MVP, 2019 National League, I mean, 2017 National League Rookie of the Year, yeah. 2019 National League MVP. He's 27 years old. Mm-hmm. He plays. He can play any outfield spot. He plays center field. He plays first base. He can DH. He's got a left-handed bat that's perfect for Camden Yards. Again, he reeks New York Yankees. He reeks New York Yankees. I don't disagree. You know, but. If the Orioles go out there and they say, you know what, man, you want a one-year deal, we'll give you one year, $10 million, come in here and let's see if you can regain that form. Approve it deal. And, and, if, and if by mid-season you look like Cody freaking Pellinger, let's sign an extension. Then, yeah. then, or maybe you trade him for pitching down the stretch if, if, if that's what happens. Sure. Uh, so that you don't block anybody that might be coming up in the next year or two. Cody Pellinger makes so much sense to me. And if you're giving him... The Dodgers non-tender him because they want to give him $18 million, right? It, he To me, that's a guy where if you're giving him 8 to $10 million, you can eat that. Mm-hmm. You, 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 can, sure. you can swallow that if he's not any good. And the, on the other side of things, if he's Cody Bellinger, you paid 8 to $10 million for a guy who's going to hit 40 home runs for you? Yeah, and we can't forget that the shift is going to make a big difference. Yeah, for him. Uh, absolutely. The shift is now banned in, in Major League Baseball. So, uh, you know, for left-handed hitters, I think we're going to see somewhat of a resurgence. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Chris Davis may come out of retirement. You know, I, <laughs> did you make that Oof. joke, or did somebody else make that I, joke I don't believe me? it was me, but Somebody wow. made that joke to me that would be, um, a couple of weeks ago. Be but, uh, look, I, I think that... Cody Bellinger is worth exploring. I don't think the Orioles are doing their jobs if they if they don't at least talk to him and bring him in. Um, to yeah, it's uh, a solid candidate. Uh, if if they don't bring him in, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if they didn't even talk to him, I'm going to be a little upset about yeah. that. Um, because you never know. If you were willing to bring in Ruth Neto Door, and not Cody Bellinger, um, I don't know. Sometimes guys just need a, a change of scenery, a second chance, and that's kind of what he's getting here. You know, so, he he. I, I firmly believe that wherever he goes, he's going to be better than he was these past three years. I do believe that, and that's more maybe more so because of the shift than anything else. But I I, I do believe there's something left with him. He's still such a good athlete. When guys are that mm-hmm. good of an athlete, it's not like his body's breaking down. It's not like he's forgotten that to hit the baseball. Right. He's just. You know what? I'm not going to claim like I know what it is because if anyone knew what it was, he would have been good. You know, two years ago, but. This guy, there's something left with him. I truly believe that. There's got to be. You don't just lose it at 27 years right. old. That's when you're supposed to be hitting your prime years. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't just lose it. Um, the United States national team did lose <clears throat> to the Netherlands 3-1. to They scored a goal in the 77th minute to get it to 2-1. to Netherlands ended up scoring a, th- a third goal. Uh, so USA is eliminated, but you know what? 
they weren't even in the World Cup in 2018. <laughs> right. Um, now they made it into the knockout stage uh, in 2022, and they're expected to be a much formidable uh, team in 2026. So congrats on the World Cup run for the U.S. national team. Uh, sorry that it ended and ended prematurely because it's yeah. always prematurely if you don't win the whole thing, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, really good signs for what's to come in the future. Um, but, yeah, what would you be happy with at the end of the winter meetings? What would, in, in Zach Goodman's eyes, what could the Orioles do with this winter meetings where you'd be satisfied get, come Thursday? Get Chris Bassett. That's the That's guy. It? That's the guy for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to make that many moves. I mean, I the, the winter meetings, especially with it going online these past two years, mm-hmm. I think it's almost changed a little bit of, of actually how many transactions are going to and you know realistically go down. But then we saw yesterday that the frenzy really started up yesterday. We saw probably about 10 moves across Major League Baseball, and that's probably going to continue. I just don't know how many more the Orioles will make because they got to get right player, right price, and I think that's probably what they're thinking about right now. If they got Chris Bassett, I, that fills such a big need and gets them, you know, that clubhouse presence, that number two, number three starting pitcher, a guy that has experience, a guy that he's been there before. The Mets won this year. They, they didn't win the whole thing, but they they were deep into the playoffs. 101 wins. 101 wins. Of the year. I, I really, really, really think Chris Bassett is an excellent fit for the Baltimore Orioles, and if they come away with him, that'll be a huge win in the winter meetings. For, for me, Chris Bassett has been my number one pitching target yeah. um, all offseason. I think he's the most realistic, yep. and the Orioles are, gonna, are the one team that could sign him that has legitimate playoff chances next year that could sign him and not worry about losing the picks. I think they'd lose their fourth pick, not their third. I think they'd lose I believe their, it is. Their, their fourth pick. Which would be a third rounder because, because they have the because comp pick. They, ha- they have the comp pick. Um, but also the Mets um, went past the luxury tax threshold, so they would actually only get the Orioles' fourth pick instead of their third pick. Okay. So yeah. um, my expectations, what would make me happy by week's end, signing somebody like a Chris Bassett, I want to see them at least get a starting pitcher and a legitimate bat. Mm-hmm. If they leave the winter, or at least have made progress towards that. If they leave the winter meetings and they haven't gotten a starting pitcher, or they haven't gotten the or they haven't gotten even they haven't gotten any anything, of their needs. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah. They've already before the meetings have even started been been linked to three different pitchers yeah. uh, that are big names. So I I'm believe a, we'll get some news here in the next three days. Yeah, I, I I think I think that we will too. So all right, we got to catch our final break today's show brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show. And the next Dias Bowser show is Tuesday, December 13th at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Harford Road. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. The Tyus Bowser show is a partnership of Pressbox and Great Eights Memorabilia, and it's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialist and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. And if you happen to miss a, a Tyus Bowser show, don't worry. You can check it out Friday nights through Throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. When we come back in, uh, we've got some trivia and some final thoughts on the battle round. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. 
Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com Glory Days Grill great food good sports that first sip that first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Join the Maryland Jockey Club at Laurel Park for Christmas Tide Stakes Day on Monday, December 26th. An exciting day of live horse racing awaits you with a whopping six stakes races worth $600,000 in prize money. Plus, enjoy a specially curated stakes buffet, a delicious hot chocolate bar, and hot cider cocktails. It may be cold, but Laurel Park has plenty of horse racing excitement, food, and beverages to keep you warm. Don't miss Christmas Tide Stakes Day at Laurel Park. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. All right, welcome back to the bat around fitting this Glenn Clark Radio's old music as we tell you the press boxes Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports watch the show every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash press box online or facebook.com slash press box sports or if you can't watch you can listen to press box slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes Spotify or anywhere you get your podcast you have no excuses to not catch 
Glenn Clark Radio None. every day of every week. Because you never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Orioles assistant GM Eve Rose- Rosenbaum, former Ravens Brandon Stokely and Bernard Pollard, and Suns guard and Calvert Hall alum Damian Lee. Find those interviews and this week's Tyus Bowser Show with special guest Marcus Williams in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Bernard Pollard said that the best time in his career was playing for the Ravens. He had nothing but nice things to say about them. He said, I but saw that. He, he said, now that I'm not on the Ravens payroll, I talk football. You know, and he he apparently he had glowing praise for Lamar Jackson despite their Twitter beef earlier this year. Um, Marcus uh, Williams, he's he's on okay. the way back. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, for with regards to the Ravens and their defense, they're only getting healthier. They just have to. They need to do something with um, Doug Peterson coming out saying that we knew the exact look the Ravens were going to give on defense on that final on yeah. those touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, that's he said we practiced it over and over and over again mm-hmm. and. Marcus Peters is he cooked? You know, yeah, yeah. He, he gave Mar- up six catches for fifty-five yards and three touchdowns. He's been a liability all year. Yeah, and, and there, there have been times when he's looked really good. Mm-hmm. He looked so disinterested. Yeah. It, why not try and push that dude out of bounds on that final touchdown? Uh, the the one play on the second touchdown that he allowed. It, why not dive and try and knock that ball down? Yeah. All he did was just reach his arms out. Yeah. And then the first touchdown he allowed to Hasty on. He was step for step with him, yeah. and then he just stopped and watched the ball go over just his head. Kind of gave up. Yeah. yeah, and and I get that he's playing zone there. And he's supposed yeah. to have help over the top, but that was ridiculous. Yeah. Like like you see the ball go. Like there's no place else to cover. Go get it. He struggled. Yeah, he's really struggled. He, he, but we'll talk about that to close things out. Um, trivia before we do close things out. 2022 Baltimore Orioles won 15 games by way of the shutout. They're most okay. in a single season since 1992, when I believe they had 16 or 17 of them. Okay. In Orioles history, that's Orioles, not Orioles and Browns, eight pitchers have tallied at least 15 career shutouts. <laughs> okay. Can you name them? Jim and Palmer. You, you, yes, he's number one on the list, 53. <laughs> and you have to get good at this kind of stuff, man, because you and I, I'm depending on you. Trivia is tough, for, man. For, <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing family feud style of this baseball game, Um after the winter meetings okay. on Give That Fan a Podcast. And we are. I, I boastfully said that I expect us to win the whole damn thing. Okay. Uh, give me Messina. Messina Obviously. is number eight, 15. Okay. Uh, give me uh, Dave Johnson. I have no idea. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a, that's a bad guess. Um, that, <laughs> that is a bad guess. That's, that's, that's terrible. Bad guess. I, don't, I don't know that's, if that's he made a, 15 that's starts. A, uh, Jimmy Key on there? I feel like Jimmy Key is probably on in a, there In a career? In a career? I don't know. Maybe. He pitched here for... One season. I, I'm not good. I'm never. I'm not a good trivia guy. I'm gonna Jimmy, tell you right now. Jimmy I make. Ra- I make random. I need you to think. I'm thinking. You're I'm, just. You tossed out Dave Johnson and yeah, Jimmy Key as know. your third and fourth. I wasn't alive. No, I, I should know. I should. You know. should be unalived for those guesses. Um. Yeah. I. You know. I'm trying to think. I'm just not a. I'm not good with with 1960s, 1970s names. This is. It's a lot of guys too out here. But uh. uh I'll. I'll give you some hints. Okay. I'm not good with names. You've got two more mics on the list. Okay. Oh, uh, Quayar. Okay. Mike Quayar. See, that he, helps. He, that helps. He's number three with helps 30. Spark the memory. Okay. You've also got a guy who's part of a huge trade in Orioles history. Okay. Huge. Um, Maybe the biggest trade ever. Oh, I mean, you're looking at the uh, the, the Frank Robinson trade. It was probably the biggest one. Um, obviously, the uh, Boddicker, Mike Boddicker. Not on there? He did not come in that trade. Okay. Well, I didn't. I... I you said two mics. That was just a name that came to my head. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Um. No, Mike Boddicker's not on this. He only pitched a couple. I'm thinking of the Adam Jones trade too. Uh, Bedard, Eric Bedard. No, not on that list. Um. 
He hmm. left in that. Fifteen is a lot. It's a big number. All right, so you've got Jim Palmer. He was number. <laughs> he had fifty-three. You've tough. got um, uh, Mike Cuellar, who yeah. had thirty. He was number three on the list. You got Mike Mussina, who was number fi- who was number eight on the list with fifteen. So you I know have, I know there's a Steve, but I just can't, there is a Steve. I just can't put my finger on it. Place it's, where you go to get your haircut. Uh, <laughs> Steve Haircutter. <laughs> um, st- yeah, Steve. Steve Barber is that Steve a, is, Barber? Wow, okay. I didn't know he Jackass. did that much. Wow. He won twenty five games for the Orioles in the early eighties. Okay, uh, nineteen. Uh, wow. So that's number six. Okay. Man, this is difficult. <laughs> I I really find it. I hard. really thought this was going to be easy. You're you're missing some like some. I I know I am. I it's just when you when you have fifteen in your head at the same time, it's hard to just think. You know. Yeah. What I mean, I mean, I know they they have the four twenty game winners in uh in I believe nineteen seventy one. Yeah, but one that? of those guys was only here for a few years. Yeah, um, and that was Pat Dobson. You got Jim Palmer. You got Mike yeah. Cuellar. There was one more. Mm. It's it's not Johnson, is it? If, if there is a Johnson on this list somewhere. No, there's, there's not a not. Johnson on this list. No. Uh, man, this is rough. I'm running out of uh, running out of time here. I think. I think we're just gonna call it. Cause you might we, have we, to. We, we gotta get I'm out not of good. Here at, uh, you know, trivia is not my thing. So Dave McNally. Oh, McNally. Number two at, yeah. with 33. Yeah. Number four. That. And as an Orioles fan, you should never forget this name. I probably. Milt Pappas. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's the guy yeah. who was traded for Frank Robinson. So I mean, I, Milt Pappas. Now that you say it, sure. He should, he's a, man, I'm, I'm gonna have to carry this team. Damn you, Zach! All right, uh, number five, Scott McGregor, twenty-three. Oh, num- I should have gotten and that. Number okay. seven, Mike Flanagan. May he rest in yeah, eternal peace. Orioles GM. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Number he had seventeen. He was a Cy Young Award winner. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Final thoughts. I'm going. I've been going back and forth on this because I'm. I, we all have PTSD from how the Orioles have been run the last thirty years, and we don't expect the Orioles to be big, be big players in free agency and. Yeah. Um, but with the Orioles having, and Steve Molesky made a nice point about this on Twitter. The Orioles are reportedly in on Carlos Rodon. They're not. They haven't just held discussions or meetings. If they're reportedly in on Carlos Rodon and reportedly in on Chris Bassett and mm-hmm. had a nice Zoom meeting with with Noah Syndergaard, I think that the Orioles are going to make a big signing. Okay. At, at these winter meetings, and maybe it's on the. It's going to be on the pitching front. I don't expect them to make a. I don't think there's any big signing to be made for a bat. So I think the Orioles are going to make a big signing in the free agent pitching market, whether it's Rodon or Bassett or maybe both of them. I expect to have something to talk about regarding an acquisition on this show this time next week. So my final thought is that the Orioles are going to sign a legitimate starting pitcher to a big contract. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like I said, Chris Bassett is kind of the the name that I I would like the Orioles to come away with. But even, maybe I'm warming up to Josh Bell a little bit. Maybe I'm warming up to him. I mean, you you definitely, when you talked about those Nationals numbers, the 384 OBP, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he's not what he was on the Padres, then I don't think that's a bad move at all. I I, I never thought it was a bad move, but I definitely look at it now in a, in a greater uh, perspective because he definitely was a, a pretty good National and a guy who can hit for power, slot in four or five in that lineup and be a pretty good hitter. So he, I would like to see that happen as well. As bad as he was in, in San Diego. Yeah. He had a 316 on base percentage in San Diego, which, three, which, yeah. which would have been third on the Orioles if you're out, if you're not counting Gunnar Henderson's cameo. That's a great point, and yeah. you know, hopefully Colton Cowser, you know, is another big OPP guy that comes in this year. But that that is a great point. A guy that gets on base that much could be very valuable to the Orioles. Mm-hmm. So and can hit from both if, sides. If, and, and if yeah. you have three switch hitters, been three, four, five yeah. in your order, that's that's huge. If he's at the right price, then sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. if he's at the right price, then sure. Um. 
So before we get out of here, Ravens, bad loss last week. Yeah. Another one where they're leading by by two scores in the fourth quarter and they lose and they lose to Jacksonville. They've they've had their struggles throughout history with Jacksonville. Yeah. They, they they were terrible against. They had never beaten them until 2000. I was at the first game they beat them. They lost that Monday night debacle like nine to I think it was like 15 to seven or something like that. And the, the touchdown came in garbage time. They lost in um, London like 44 to seven. We all got up early in the morning to watch that, that crap fest. Um, so they've had their struggles with Jacksonville. They got Denver coming in. Denver's terrible offensively. Russell Wilson is. Maybe it's the worst contract in the history of the NFL, but now you're looking at the fact that this team is um, they they the number the number one red zone defense by a good by a wide margin, and the um, the Ravens really struggle with that. Yeah. What are your expectations for this? Game? I know we got to do this quickly. What are your expectations? I don't have a lot of uh, reservations about reservations is not the right word, but I don't have a lot of confidence in the Broncos. Um, I don't think they're a team that is built to beat the Ravens because the Ravens defense um, is you know has limited teams somewhat this year, and the Broncos are a team that barely score any points. Russell Wilson's looked terrible. Uh, they're a team I just don't have a lot of confidence in. The Ravens have been playing bad football, and I think they're going to continue to play bad football because I don't think they're that great of a football team. The Ravens? Yeah. I I mean, they they played a close game against Carolina, uh, tied at halftime and, and won, of course, but the loss against Jacksonville is a big one. They're going to win this game. They're going to win this game, but I, I don't think it's going to be a, a runaway win. They're lucky the Broncos are one of the worst offensive teams we've ever seen. I actually think that the Ravens are a really good football team. I think they're and I think that I think they're okay. I, I think they're a really good football team that is just kind of stuck in the mud offensively because they didn't do anything to address wide receiver yeah. in the offseason aside from Demarcus Robinson. Um, the defense I think is nasty. Yeah. Um, and I and I think they're getting healthier. And I once Dob you have a healthy Dobbins and Gus Edwards back there. I think and Ronnie Stanley back on that line. Maybe that's going to be as early as next week. Um, I think that the, that they're just going to run the ball down teams' throats the yeah. final four or five games of the year and. Uh, really bring it home and win this division. So I'm expecting the Ravens to go out there and win tomorrow. Um, I'm going to say that they win 24 to 13. Okay, I'll give them uh, 31 10. 31 10. That's a lofty score against that defense. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Bat Around. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Thank you to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment and to Nathan Ruiz for taking some time as he heads out to the winter meetings. Thank you to Zach for doing a show despite the fact he has a flight literally two hours from now. Thank you to all of you for, for listening every week. Hopefully, this time next week, we'll be talking about an Orioles major signing. Until then, see ya!